Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we welcome special guest Emiliano Sagasti, aka Mordekaiser, back to the show to chat toolbox decks of all flavors. We'll cover some of the more popular tutor spells and discuss what makes a silver bullet bullety enough. Have a sip of your Blink Moth Tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Welcome to episode 25 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from the laboratory of the Trinket Mage. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Also joining me is a man who quickly responds to strangers shouting the word, I cast Summoner's Pact! Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? Good. Uh, I think my favorite response to that one is usually were for a damping sphere. There's something really satisfying about your opponent being exactly one mana short of casting their Primeval Titan and then having to pay for their pack next turn and not getting to play play the uh, Primeval Titan then. uh, That is a line that uh, the the, the were decks are back to doing. Uh, If only there were any Primeval Titan decks left to do it on. (laughs) I am not sad to see the Primeval decks uh set back a peg i will say that that was uh traditionally a pretty tough matchup for wurza yeah and now i i did actually a word for damping sphere once um when my opponent was about to pay his packed trigger and he just throws up his hands and goes well i guess i lose then and i was like uh okay and i took the concede (laughs) and then afterwards was like you know you could have floated your mana in response to the were, and he was like, uh, I don't, I didn't, I just started playing this deck. We were at a competitive event, mind you. We were at an MCQ, so. Well, this, I mean, that's definitely a thing that happens is people pick up a deck that they just, like, they think is popular, they think it's good, or they think it's fun, or, or whatever it is, and they just don't really have the experience yet. They have a sideboard guide, but, you know, no, no actually useful knowledge on, on how to, uh, the, the ins and outs of the decks, which is fine. Modern is complicated. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. That, that. is, I can no, yeah. I mean, and that is one of the reasons why I always say that, like, you really want to go in there feeling confident in all the little things that you think are going to come up, and you want to be confident, you know, about your ability to handle just just that, you know. That and that's me. You know, other people, you you can do what you like with your experiences, but uh, that, for that's, sure, that's for me. That that deck in particular, though, is a very there are a lot of lines it's, to that deck. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not... I think it gets really overhyped in how complicated it is. Um, just because... And I've said this before. If someone just handed you the deck list with no information, it would be quite difficult to to figure out how you're supposed to win with it mm-hmm. um, in most states. But if you've seen a couple leagues of someone who's experienced on it, it really solves a lot of the big questions, and then you can focus on the, the small edges. Um, and the hardest thing though was uh, playing around the hate at the time but uh, in, in terms of hate pieces that can enter the battlefield uh, I believe our very special guest knows almost infinite things that can uh, cause your opponent's inconvenience in the modern format 
Yeah. So also joining us is the man originally tasked with staffing the office of the Imperial Recruiter, Emiliano Sagasti, <laughs> otherwise known as Mordekaiser online. Hey. Welcome back. And how are you, Mord? Thanks so much, Brian. How are you doing, everyone? I'm doing great. Happy to be here again. Does, does that make you the Imperial Recruiter Recruiter? I am the Imperial Recruiter Recruiter, <laughs> exactly. I'm the one that recruits the recruiter. Nice. Damn. Who, rec- who, who, who recruits the recruiter? Lord. Lord yeah, no. Simple and quick. It's not a very complicated <laughs> question, apparently. In Mordor, there's only one answer. It differs in layers. So, uh, astute listeners may notice that uh, we are down in a rune this week. Uh, it turns out that uh, he had some vacation plans that. Uh, Got in the way of recording, which I think is just, you know, incredibly selfish. When the hell do Such I get to threesome. go on vacation? Oh. How, 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 no, how could he do that? Uh, oh, well, he's, he is a, he's a doctor, honey. He's a doctor. <laughs> he's so, he's got the dough. He can go on vacation. He's probably, he's probably at his vacation home with his other wife. <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Uh, wife, I'm just saying. Is. I'm just, I'm just here speaking my truth. Don't come at me. Don't at me. <laughs> uh, so, so I know that uh, he was quite excited to talk about what he's been working on, but I suspect that we will have to hold that for uh, the next episode because I, for one, have zero uh, experience with his grinding breach lists. I don't know if you ended up playing any Zach, um, but I, I did, and I have some few, uh, uh, underworld breach lists of my own and and other experiments, and we'll we'll definitely come back to that in a couple weeks time. Um, Sweet. But uh, t- today's topic uh, was something that I wanted to look at for a while um, because I think uh, there have been a lot of successful toolbox decks in the history of modern. Um, and they have always been something that I've gravitated towards because I like the flexibility and I think they're fun. Um, they also tend to have uh, a little bit of room for cute and cheeky <laughs> cards because your core strategy is mostly unchanging and you have some flex slots that you get to pull out when you want to. Uh, and so when you, you know, when you want to experiment with them, you're not messing with the, uh, main infrastructure of the deck uh you're just kind of messing with the trimmings um for the most part and uh and i thought what better guest to have on than one of the masters of toolboxes uh mordekaiser mord uh for those who don't know you uh you know your your brief history is that you started out with a bang on magic online <laughs> with uh niv right yeah exactly i started playing taxes i'm i'm magic on like a few months after starting to play modern and the quarantine hit so i started playing magic online and she we got a five with niv and i went down the rabbit hole <laughs> following him yeah and and it- it's funny because I followed a similar trajectory of coming back from a cruise ship contract, and I kind I kind of had this weird feeling about uh, Urza and Mox Opal, so I sold out of my Mox Opals and bought in on Niv Mizzet, and uh, I had some some relatively good success, but nothing like a modern challenge win um, with that deck. Yeah, you, um, we can call it luck mostly. <laughs> it's just like two- sure, yeah. I mean, I was I also wasn't playing challenges. I was playing paper one Ks at the time. And uh, I top eight a few of those with Niv Delight. Yeah, I was about to go for for my first Grand Prix on Brazil, 
and it got cancelled of course due to COVID and I was like, well then I'm going to play a challenge because I want to play a big tournament and it was like 4 it was like, what? what the hell is happening here? why is this happening? and then I reached the finals and the best, uh, I reached the top 8 and the quarter final was an amazing game my opponent, um, my opponent, I won the game with 4 seconds on the clock against Esper Control amazing game wow then I won the semi. The finals must have been even better, right? <laughs> the semi-finals was a nice game that I just crushed against Ponza, and then the finals my opponents just disconnected. <laughs> it was like it was like basically no, no, it's, final it's, it's, uh, in 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 paper that would be the one where you get to the finals and the judge goes, "Oh yeah, that that was that was Mark. He uh, he had to leave in the carpool with his buddy, so <laughs> you get the you get the buddy. Congrats." Yeah. He had to catch a plane, so it's yours, you know. Well, he, he said it's fine. We just we're just gonna send him a check for his money, but he's gone. So. It's fine. You got <laughs> it. Know, Congrats. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, but but since then, uh, we had you as a special guest with a little episode with just me and you on this podcast, where we talked all about enigmatic incarnation. That is episode twelve B from February twenty uh, yes. second. Thank That's you, Brian, for the really wonderful. Yeah. And uh, then um, uh, I know Davius Minimus will often call on you as a brewing companion or someone to share notes with. And then just recently you were on Faithless Brewing talking all about Imperial Recruiter. Yes. And uh, you have a enigmatic 5-0 and possibly a brought back Recruiter 5-0 that are about to go into circulation. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah. That's, How do you feel about all that? I love it. I just love when the, when the list get posted because you just feel like when you're playing a deck that doesn't have enough following, Sometimes you just fear, maybe I'm playing a bad deck. But then you get the results and I'm like, no, not, not enough people are testing it. It's like the Skinner meme that's like, no, it's the Anglics that are wrong. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the magic that... community that's wrong. Exactly. It's the magic community that's wrong. Yeah. And the five O's let you well, have and, that and on the flip side, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it, it is because you think you have a deck that's actually very good. And just not enough people are playing it. It's not. It's not that you ever question yourself. You're like, no, no, no. This deck is good. The only reason it's not being more visible is nobody else is playing it. So I'm going to be the one who plays it. I got to put it on the map, right? Yeah, exactly. You just feel like it's on your shoulders. And I felt like that yeah. with Enigmatic as well because when I started stop playing it to focus on recruiter, people were like, hey, more, can we get a new deck list? And I'm like, sorry guys, I'm playing this. And then I get a five over. People were like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> we got lists! We got updates! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And, um, and it's not like because and, I'm and the best player, but it's because I have the testing with those decks. Like, it's what I play. I mean, you, you definitely have an unbelievable background um, with these uh, toolbox creature decks. You've played a lot of them. Um, and uh, you know you know a lot of the in and outs, a lot of the uh, upper tier kind of tricks that are possible. I've seen you suggest lines where you're like, "Oh no no, see, play the phantasmal image, copying nothing, oh, that was really so fun. that it dies. Then you get revolt. Then you get the re the, the renegade rallier, so that then you get it back." And then you copy the rallier. So see, now you have two ralliers where otherwise you couldn't have had two ralliers. And then you still have another trigger to get something else. I was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, buddy. You are out there. You are in outer space. Yes. Yeah. It's true. 
Well, when those lives happen, you just feel so happy. I have, like, with some of my friends when I play on Discord, one time I was like, wait, we lost a rap game, but I was like, Gu guys, we have won this game. And the two guys, like, stopped for a second. One asked me why, and when I finished telling the story, the third guy goes like, I'm so happy the first one asked what the hell Morde was talking about. Because I was going to feel like the idiot yeah. left out that had no idea. <laughs> no. But you know, it, it is it is that way, and I know Brian has seen some other people play like Wurza, and once once you're familiar with some of the tricks in the deck, you're just like, oh, you just got it. <laughs> exactly. N not like that. <laughs> you you no, are I consistently mean... three to five moves ahead of everybody else. <laughs> it's just uh, practice. It's just playing the deck enough that you start seeing the patterns instead of thinking every single play. Yeah, and I, I think that's important to note with these decks, and a lot of the things we're suggesting, a lot of the things we're, we're saying people have uh, have success with is these are some of the hardest decks to play in all of Magic. Now, not all the toolboxes and not all the toolbox decks we're going to talk about are that way, but a lot of what Mord plays uh, is some of the most difficult decks to succeed with in Magic, most especially because most of the decks that you play and like to be successful with don't play any combo kills. Is that... Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I tend to, like, when I play the games, I just sort of find the fact that even if it takes you longer to win, you will win once you reach the certain status where you want the combo. Like, it will take you five turns longer than with the combo, but it's deterministic in a sort of way that your opponent doesn't realize it is. So he just keeps playing, and you're like, please, concede. <laughs> Don't make me keep attacking with my bears. I know this is enough. But you're at 55 because I played 5 Solitudes, and I'm hitting for 6. <laughs> Can you please concede? I had the Solitude both your Emrakuls. I gave you 30 life, give me the game. Give me the game, you cannot win this. And you're like, okay, 6, 6, 6. So anyway, if anyone is interested in seeing the gameplay and the passion of Mordekaiser uh, live on the internet, you can check that out at Mordtolight uh, on twitch.com slash Mordtolight. Uh, there's nothing, no fancy spelling, no numbers are involved. It's very, very simple and straightforward. Um, and uh, it's just like an incredible repository uh, of information and uh, again and joy passion for for magic because uh, Mord kicks ass and he uh, is always very intent on uh, doing the best he can with it. Yeah, I love the game. The game sucks, but we love it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Magic's like the worst player. game there is, <laughs> except for all the others. Um, awesome. So let's get into some meta discussion today. It's, today, real quick, um, as I've mentioned last week, uh, I have started up a new show called This Week in Modern. It goes live on YouTube every uh, Tuesday evening, uh, sometimes on time so far. Uh, I haven't managed to make a habit of that yet. Uh, but that usually covers my in-depth thoughts and, uh, you know, decklist coverage of the metagame. Uh, but Mord, uh, you were supposed to get up this morning and play in the Sunday Challenge. How'd that go? <laughs> okay. Okay. In my not-so-subtle defense, I had friends come over, one had to sleep in my bed, so I slept on the couch. Because I plan on playing the challenge, and the couch is here, next to the computer. So he slept in the right bedroom, and he was like... Set up my alarms for 7 a.m. and I didn't wake up. <laughs> so, yeah. so I woke up at 8.5 and I'm like, well, fuck this and I want to sleep. Which is probably a good choice. Uh, I just cuddled myself and went. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. So we, we don't have any on-the-ground reporting on today's challenge. Although yesterday's challenge, spoiler alert, the Saturday Spicy. challenge of uh, August the 28th was won by Wafo Tapa on... on control, right? No. Blue-white oh, control. Absolutely. Oh, the most control. controlling deck in modern. Four-color uh, indomitable creativity with Velomachus. I am not joking. Wafo yeah. yeah. Tapa something else. Like, he, he is something but, else. Know, I, I feel like he probably got a lot of points through the whole tournament by people assuming he was on blue-white in game one and then getting rocked. Um, just as... Just as ba- totally baseless speculation. This is not in any way founded in reality. He um, opened every game so. with uh, Fetch Land, Hallowed Fountain, Go. I mean, if I'm facing Wafo Tapa, I'm only going to hand with other Bayern. Because right. he's Wafo. Right. He's playing control. Well, yeah, but they, he's got 4x Prismatic Ending in his control deck. But it, he also has 4x Prismatic Ending in his 4-color <laughs> <laughs> creativity deck. He always has 4 um, Prismatic but Ending. But anyway... So, uh, that spoiler alert out of the way, uh, the big story of the last two weeks since we have been off has been the rise of um, Luris uh, Sagavan decks. So, I call them Sagavan decks because the first version of anything similar to this I saw was um, pioneered by a streamer named Connorman11. I don't know if he's the first person who came up with the idea. He was the first one to play the Boros version. Yeah. So yeah. So what we so he played a Boros version and a Jeskai version. But basically, the core concept was an aggressive red strategy with Ragavan, sometimes Dragon's Rage Channeler with Urza's Saga. And the idea being that the treasures feed your Saga, they give you more mana to to leverage your Saga, and what can we do with that? Um, so he played a Jeskai version, a red white version. He was using things like expressive iteration to grind, which is which is all well and good. Um, Esper Sentinel, but then um, within the last two weeks, and specifically leading up to last week's challenges, um, there was uh, an idea from uh, Jiglio MTG, which has been sort of termed as Grull Delirium. So he had a red-green uh, deck which had Urza Saga, Renin Six, um, and he put in a Traverse the Ulvenvald package. Um, so Traverse is actually on on topic for us because uh, it is a tutoring card so it's a single green mana that says search your library for a basic land card reveal it and put it into your hand however it has the delirium uh, ability word that says if you have four different card types in your graveyard you get to search your library for any creature or any land and put it in your hand for a single green mana and uh long time modern players will recognize this card from uh four color or sultai death shadow um, they used to play this back in the day as extra copies of Death Shadow or Tarmogoyf, um, or Gurmeg Angler, uh, depending on how they felt like being crazy at that point. Um, and uh, so these decks are using it for a silver bullet package. They play things like Bone Crusher Giant or Titania or just uh, different red-green creatures they might want to tutor in game one and or in the sideboard. Um, the, the challenge winning list from last Saturday was actually a Jund version, which instead of having this Delirium package, which is cute and interesting, but I don't know how good it actually is because it seems to be sort of have been, uh, it's been overpowered by people who just said, well, yeah, that's cute and all, but what if we just played Luris? Uh, <laughs> as is very healthy and regular for our metagame, no, uh, Watsy 
Watsy praised the cat nightmare. Um, but anyway, so Bullwinkle took that challenge down with a, a Jun version of this deck featuring Red and Six, Urza Saga, uh, some discard spells, Tarmogoyfs, and Ragavan. Um, so there, there have been Naya versions that are actually playing the Delirium package with uh, Traverse, and they were successful in uh, yesterday's challenge. So yesterday's challenge featured three Jund or four Jund and two Naya uh, of these lists. Um, yeah. Which I'm just a big fan of. Uh, the Naya uh, gives Brian any thought? Oh, sorry. No, just just because the Naya uh, gives Brian the deck what it goes missing. Archetype? Uh, so Naya gives the the, the deck the capacity of getting missing. silver bullets. Like when you're playing rule, you just get like bring grindy stuff like Titania or Bone Crusher, but you cannot play anything like a real silver bullet besides Mouse of the Moon that you can play in your saga deck. But White gives you Knight of Autumn, Dranith Magistrate. It gives you stuff. Uh, yeah, Gaddock Teague in the sideboard I saw. It, it's Spicy. funny, because in their main deck, they've chosen basically zero silver bullets of any kind. They're just playing some Renegade Rallyers. That surprised uh, me a little in... Yeah, me too. I, I can't believe that they didn't put in, like, a Miser's, you know, Dranith Magistrate or something just like one that. Just if you look at both, or one both the Naya lists... Yeah, both the Naya lists. So uh, in 11th place of the uh, challenge on the 28th, uh, by Nubble Cow, and in 13th place by the Nair. Um, both of them have no no main deck creatures that are a hate bear in any way, um, just in the sideboard. So, interesting choice. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but they did very well with their decks, and they should be proud of their results. So, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so other than that, uh, the, the top tier of the meta I don't think has changed too much. Uh, you know, just just some some shuffling around, um, and uh, the the leagues are super broad. I think you'd both agree with me that like you will see just everything and anything in the modern leagues right now. Red, green, Eldrazi, again, <laughs> again. Lightning has struck twice. It's 2018. Mm -hmm. We face one of Vintron, Grun Eldrazi, and Black White Dead Gallego. Uh, oh, don't forget blue-white control. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget blue-white control. We're back to 2018. And everything fits noodles. Yep, yep. I even ran into a red-green Titan Shift. Oh. Yep. And uh, Cedric Phillips uh, has a uh, version of uh, uh, Titan Shift with Indomitable Creativity that he's been uh, playing and uh, sort of popularizing that uh, made 28th in yesterday's challenge as well, so... Uh, that's a pretty cool little standout. Um, it is playing multiple colors with Teferi Time Raveler and such, so it's, uh, it's a wild one. Creativity um, popping right. up all of a sudden after Velomagus really shows me something like I think happens a lot in Modern, where it requires one first step in innovation for a lot of decks to appear. Like, no, no one ever played um, Creativity and Emblacool, but when people, after people played in Velomagus, a build that, have, that existed for three years appeared. And that's yep. kind of weird that no one thought of this of that out before, like a pre-evolution of the existing deck appeared. Well, in in fairness, there were other cards that came out in Strixhaven that are contributing to that too, right? Like Prismari Command is kind of a linchpin of that deck because it creates the treasure token. It, you know, it gives you some card selection yeah. and things like that. And I think you're right in that there could have been a build of that deck without Prismari Command. But I, I think that 
Prismaria Command is enough of a leg up that that may have been part of the reason why, you know, we're seeing it now and we hadn't seen it before. I, I actually remember uh, way back, like 12 months ago-ish, uh, 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 Lawson Zandy sent me a list for Jeskai Creativity that was playing Teferi, Indomitable Creativity, and Emrakul's. Uh, and I remember playing it and being kind of uh, underwhelmed by it. But it's funny because Ren and Six definitely existed at the time. Um, it just didn't make the leap um, that playing Dwarven Mine with Ren and Six and Teferi and Indomitable Creativity was maybe worth doing. Um, may maybe it was the meta was more hostile to those things at the time. I'm not really sure. And when I started picking up Velomachus, uh, back when it was the the sort of just after Strixhaven came out, I know Spider Space was still on uh, Indomitable into Emrakul, and it wasn't known really at the time if either of those decks was really worth paying attention to. Uh, just another question slash point. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly when the Triumphs came out, but those are also a big add to the. Uh, Icoria. I, I mean, I know the set, but I don't. I, I, I have no sense of when that was. Was that last year? Oh. Was that two years ago? That, that was, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was last year. That was the. Uh, that was the. Um, the the. It was after Theros, so that would be the like the summer set, but so not like, the core set. Okay. Well, I, I do think that those. So are the spring big set, I guess they would call it. Yeah, you know they've got. Yeah, it'd be the, the the spring. Is set. it summer set? And it was like January. I was... <laughs> I was working. No, because January was Theros. Yeah, yeah, but you said Somerset, and for me, summer, it was the opposite. Uh, oh, yeah. right, yeah, you're <laughs> in the Southern, Southern Hemisphere. hemisphere. <laughs> like, single, my right, well, Northern, Northern Hemisphere Club people, uh, <laughs> and, and, and for anyone who's in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, strike that, reverse it. Um, so, what yeah, is So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Ikoria was the second set of 20, 2020. Yeah. Regardless, uh, I think that the point yes. is a point well made, which is that there is a, a breadth of things to explore out there that may have existed um, for years. You know, and, and this is, uh, I think, to their service. You know, Faithless Brewing has gone back to Heartless Summoning a couple of times now, and like, mm -hmm. you know, I, it's totally worth if you have a pet card, if you have a card that you love and has not been sufficient in the past check it out every new set try and figure something else out see if anything fits um eventually something may come along that breaks it wide open and don't be afraid to show off these things to other people uh you know uh, especially new people like people you don't know you can you never email know, me uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. well you just never know who's gonna have the one crazy linchpin idea that's gonna tie it all together for you that's that's the one thing that you never know that's like you don't know what you're missing and you don't know whose experience is going to pull it all together for you sometimes. Oh, um, I thought you were going for like a no shame sort of thing and I was, I was trying well, I to mean, say... I mean, I am going for a no shame kind of thing. <laughs> no shame kind of thing in, in that there might be someone who, you know, whatever attitude they come at you with, uh, they might be like, oh, you're doing this all wrong, and then they give you some piece of information. And maybe the piece of information they're trying to give you is not useful, but maybe their their insight on some level is because you go, oh, I was thinking about this in totally the wrong way. I've been on my own for too long. Um, case in point, you know, Aspiring Spike on the last couple days of his stream just last week started playing a black-white uh, uh, attrition deck with Urza Saga and The Rack. 
he's playing exactly one the rack because he's playing Urza's Saga. But the rack is a is a very relevant card in that deck. It's just that you don't need more than one. And when you need it, it's good. And when you don't need it, well, you're probably not going to draw it. And even if you do draw it, it's not disastrous. It's one mana. You just flip it into play. But, you know, that kind of thing is... That, that kind of deck is something that a lot of people like. But I bet, you know, until this point, really nobody had, had done that. Um, and Spider Space had come along and done a version with Urza Saga and 4 of uh, the rack. And now we have a version that's floating around with 1 the rack. And... I don't know which one of those is best, but, you know, I hadn't seen either of those existing particularly strongly before, and now, you know, we've got some great minds, we've got some great brewers, and we just got more people working on it. Maybe something uh, neat will come out of it. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's always a, yeah. That's always a plan. And if anyone has any idea I want to appear, just send me an email, I promise not to steal it and use it for my own benefit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stream the idea, give you full credit, but, you know, I'm the one set up to monetize it. <laughs> That's um, a big-time but, but, big streamer move. Yeah, exactly. It's not that I created this. I never said that. I just popularized it. Um, but, but more to the point, so general meta commentary, I mean, the meta feels wonderfully open, and I think as much as some people hate playing against it, we can really thank Blue-White Control and green tron for opening things up a little no. bit more and you don't you no i know i know what you i know what you're saying we can never at the same green time, tron for but, anything but but every time you play a turn one ragavan and it lives it's partially because there are other pressures in the format which means people can't play eight to ten one mana removal spells i, I would rather my ragavan die than my opponent go, than any opponent in my whole day going to a three card what if? Okay, fine, but that's you. That's what? not everyone, because not everyone's pet deck involves Ragavan. What if instead of attributing it to Greentron, we just say Urza's Tower, and that way you can sure, imagine yes, that... in your head it's Dice Factory. Yeah, there There's you go. A possibility. Or 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 Etron or yeah, Blutron, or, Maltron, or anything any more palatable. Yeah, yeah. Don't okay. let Kaya hear this. Red Tron. Don't let Kaya hear this. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I feel like the, I mean, we, I, I just got a 5-0 on stream today with a completely random brew, um, which you can find on my Twitter now, you can find it on my stream deck, or it'll be on my YouTube soon, of a Bono Blue Urza mid-range deck that some wonderful brewer named Canada Man 101 who is a challenge competitor from time to time, sent me. I just took it out for the spin, and we 5 would with it. It's completely random, but it's like, these are the things that can happen. Scred can win a GP right now, and it's it's great. Right now, Scred can win a GP. But what I'm saying is, if someone if someone five would with Scred, Scred will be with... playing Forum Society today. That's what I'm going to say. For a yeah. Forum Society. Well, I I played a deck that was like that on stream. I played uh, Urza Saga Mono Red. It's playing no Blood Moons. See, nice. Yeah, I like it. And oh. it's because it was a, it was in the five O's. Someone five would with that. Urza Saga Mono Red with Pia and Kieran Nalar. That's right, mom wow. and pop thopter shop, setting it back up in modern, baby. That's, that's a deep cut. That's, yeah. deep. That, that, oh, that's like oh, three th copies of Koth of the Hammer, my no, friend. No, don't do that yourself. And Koth was impressive. That's the best part. Koth I, was real impressive. All right, so I I'm going to shout out. 
I, you know, I'm going to shout out uh, Emma Partlow. She is a Koth believer. I know this. Um, and I think that she would be mighty upset to hear that you're not a believer. And I think she would be, uh, she would be like, look, I don't want to say I told you so, but I told I you mean, so. I mean, Emma is a Bogles and Tron player, so she can say whatever she wants. I'm not going I, to follow it. I find her trustworthy is all I'm saying. She's a credible source. <laughs> A Tron source. A Bogle source. A Trons a Tron Bogles source. We we do need to see the Bogles Tron list though. Really crack the modern format in half. <laughs> she did it once. She did it once. Did she? Yeah, it was like turn two turn five, one Bogles and I played like turn four the last conscription. I I saw that and I just cried to myself. That happened. So a poor opponent got El Rassi conscription on a Bogle. Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> I like it, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the best kind of awesomely awful. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we take a short break from this meta discuss- discussion, and when we come back, we can uh, talk some toolboxes. Stay with us. Welcome back. So, uh, today we are going to be talking all about toolboxes and tutors, silver bullets. Uh, as we said at the top, you know, Mord is the man when it comes to this stuff. Um, he's been playing these decks for so long that I'm guessing he's already planning like four or five turns ahead right now. I don't even know if he's playing, but he's at least four or five turns ahead and knows exactly what he's tutoring for. Um, so I have written down uh, a couple of like high-level questions here. Uh, you know, there are a ton of different toolbox decks out there. There's a ton of different tutor cards. There are a ton of different silver bullets. Um, and so I'm curious first, what makes for a good tutor? You know, we have a ton of them in Magic. Um, some of them that are legal and and have been legal for a long time never see play. Uh, for example. Um, you know, Grim Tutor is was in M21, I think. M20, M21. Uh, never sees play. It's three mana. Imperial Recruiter, on the other hand, uh, three mana for a 1-1. One, one. Okay, you get a body, but that does see play. Um, similarly, you know, there's a, a card called Reshape. Uh, it's X and two blue. Uh, sorcery speed, you can sacrifice an artifact and then find a new artifact in your deck, uh, put it into play. Um, doesn't see any play. Were is X and three blue, instant speed, has improvise, and does see play. So obviously there's uh, differences in all of these and some appealing characteristics and, and whatnot. Yeah, so if I had to say what makes a good tutor, it really, you cannot define it just by itself. You have to see how the cards you can get align with the meta. So you mentioned Imperial Recruiter over Grim Tutor. Imperial Recruiter just gives you a 1-1. One, one. Well, how good Imperial Recruiter is, is how much you can do with that 1-1. One, one. Will it become a 2-4-1, or will it just champ block a Tarmogoyf, and it be like, exactly a Grim Tutor that gave you two life? So, from there you start working around it. Why do, we, why do you play Recruiter? Well, if you play Recruiter, you can get a removal spell, or you can get a, a Soul Herder. If you get a Soul Herder, Recruiter is a 2-4-1, because it has to die, or you win the game. 
So you start getting out of there, and then you're like, well, for example, in my deck I'm playing Eladamris Call. Why would you play Eladamris Call? Because it gets you something Recruiter cannot get. It gets you Solitude, it gets you Fury. So there you just have a larger flexibility, but losing on the two-for-one value. But sometimes you just need to find a specific card for the specific situation. A similar thing happens with Weir over over reshape, where his instant speed has the surprise factor, but also can get you any card after one point. When you have enough resources, it can get you any artifact. Artifacts being a broad enough target that you just feel like, okay, I can get anything I need. I can get from a value plan with a small blob that throws your card when it enters and it leaves, and I can't ever remember the name. Or like a wellspring. Exactly. Or I can get you Sire Bridge. So you're like, okay, I'm in control. I have a weir. I have enough flexibility to be comfortable with this. You could even get Darksteel Forge. I've seen it done. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> you can get even that and, deep. And that is... Yeah, I mean, but that... that they, they, did ha they did go that deep at the time. Um, so, you know what? You, you, you nicely covered one of the points here that I hadn't um, written up, though I intended to, because... Um, I mean, it kind of folds into at least one of these, but the you, the recruiter is quote just a one one but you're getting it attached to the tutor um and one of the things that's different about that versus something like grim tutor so they're both three mana although grim tutor is going to lose you life yeah but um, even if grim tutor didn't the... lose you life it would be like it's not the bad part about it oh sure and, and the difference is grim tutor is an incident or a sorcery in this case it's a sorcery so it'll trigger certain other cards okay that's some value to the card type. It goes to the graveyard. You could snapcaster it, so you could you could recast it again. On the flip side, we have cards like Ephemerate in Modern. And Ephemerate with Imperial Recruiter <laughs> and the creatures that Imperial Recruiter is going to get, like all of a sudden you, you, you'll see how these things, these synergies build on themselves because it's a creature you want to Ephemerate and it can get you other creatures you want yeah. to Ephemerate. So all of a sudden... You're, you're cooking with some serious synergy here when you're talking about deck building. Or even enabling itself. I have won a lot of games by going turn, th turn 3 recruiter, get recruiter, get recruiter, turn 4 recruiter, get Toski, and attack with my 1-1, one, one, and having my uh, my Asolius control player having to pass to exile, or just Shark Typhoon block, because my 1-1s one, are overwhelming him, because they're drawing cards. Right. So the fact that the 1-1 one, one can get you more value than what it only is, that's what makes it a good tutor. El Adamris Call doesn't have a good efficiency. It's two mana do nothing. Doesn't put into place. It sets you behind on mana, but it's like the most one of the most flexible tutors in the game. Weird functions in a several way, in a similar way, as well as Code of Calling. They don't leave you as far behind on mana because you're doing it at instant speed and putting it into play, and putting something into place at instant speed is worth like one mana. Like giving something flash is worth is worth one extra mana, but you get it, any creature or any artifact. That's enough flexibility for it to be good. And then you have the weird one out that is Grim Tutor, which works half like everything else. Well, it's like Fabricate, right? Fabricate gets you an artifact out of your deck in your hand, but that's not a playable modern no. card because. Right. It's too much negative tempo. Exactly. Like, before War of Invention, we had Fabricate, right? And in theory, you're getting the exact same thing, except you just have to cast it afterwards. If you were for zero, you put the zero drop into play. If you fabricate for a zero drop, you just play the zero drop. So, in theory, it's easier on your mana. 
But the fact that it's not putting it directly into play, the fact that it's a sorcery, it, it, these things clearly matter because um, th- they existed and you know it wasn't wasn't playable. Yeah, I think uh, um, also obviously improvise is a big deal because oh, then yeah. all of a sudden it's... you're paying for the costs with things that are not actual man. You gotta look at um, so and court of court of calling is the same way. You gotta look at so your with court of calling, any non mana creature you play. Uh, gets to add to the Court of Calling, except for Wall of Roots, which gets to add to Court of Calling <laughs> twice, um, which is, you know, j- some of the, the tricky, interesting things that you get. So, um, you know, I, I've summed these things up as efficiency, output, and flexibility. Um, yeah. So efficiency is, 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 you know, kind of opportunity cost of, like, how high is the cost of this thing so that when you're getting something out of it, like, you, you actually have enough time to do that. The output is what can you get out of it. So a card like Eladomri's Call, I mean, it gets everything from the bottom to the top of the curve. You could get a Dryad Arbor if you needed a land drop or Glass Bowl Mimic. Uh, you could get a Sundering Titan if you wanted to. Uh, most Eladomri's Call decks don't play a Sundering Titan, but I'm waiting on more. I'm waiting on it. <laughs> to go someday. insane. It's coming. Yeah, don't don't yeah, but don't say don't call it a comeback because Sundering Titan's been here for years, uh, but. Uh, and then you've got the, the flexibility of it because sometimes you have a class of cards like Imperial Recruiter uh, gets creatures with power two or less. And that's a class of card that is very flexible uh, in in one way. Uh, sorry, is it toughness on... Uh, no, no, no. It, it's it power? strength. It is power. It is both. So, yeah. So... Uh, you know, within mono red, that doesn't seem particularly appealing. But the other colors you're going to play, that that's exactly. really what's going to make that flexible. Um, it, besides the fact that you know there are combo kills, um, <laughs> because there are two power creatures with casting cost five, six, and seven I, that in theory would be worth grabbing. I do think the most important part of a tutor, which is really hard to like put into words, is like, it, at which moment is this tutor better than playing a second or third additional copy of the card and going to get the most? Right. It's weird phrasing, but like, but it's at, the, at that exact point where, why am I playing this tutor instead of just playing more copies of what I'm going to get? It has to be cheap enough, right. it has to be valuable enough, it has to be redundant enough, or it has to have some additional upside. And that's where it's so just, I, I, it's testing. I think you, you, could, you could have a very basic, easy example of if you think of the old mono-white taxes lists, from the, the previous metagame. You know, they play four Skyclave Apparition, four Thalia, four this, four that. And you compare that to if they splash into red for just Imperial Recruiter, what kind of things does that let them do with their deck, right? Because some of these cards are cards that you want to play four copies of. Um, and then you just look at, uh, oftentimes, the practical situations of if it's turn three, and I have Imperial Recruiter instead of Skyclave Apparition. Well, what does that mean? You know, sometimes I play it, and then the next turn I Skyclave the, the what I wanted to Skyclave. Is that good enough? Uh, well, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But then you have to think of the extra opportunities where you have more flexibility because of it. Maybe you get to play one of a main deck card, like Draneth Magistrate, which you normally would play zero copies of, and maybe the ability to do that in other games is worth more to you. And, and I, I totally agree with you when you say testing, because these are things that are impossible to really measure. Exactly. 
So I, I actually think um, this sort of uh, it hints at some of the, the another thing that's not really um, measurable and it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but some of the interesting interactions. So, you know, you mentioned were and uh, Court of Calling putting things directly into play. Well, both of those have a mana value of three. So if you're trying to play around a chalice, for example, you are now able to play around a chalice, even if that chalice is on three, because these are X spells. Um, and there's some other little upsides, you know, uh, one of the, the fun tricks you can do is X equals, say, 10, if you have the creatures to tap or the artifacts to tap to get X up to 10. And then your opponent looks at, at what you're doing and says, I have no idea what they're going to grab. <laughs> Something will They can grab anything in their deck. Right. And maybe you're yep. just going for a pithing needle. Maybe that's it. But you've just made it completely impossible to read what you are going for unless it's like all right i know what they need exactly. you know to win the game but i i do think that those little edge cases and those little tricks actually uh do help you know make big margins so yeah so the same oh, happens with I, enigmatic every single instead your opponent is like okay i'm cracking all my fetches i'm floating on my mana i'm activating <laughs> all my abilities because they don't even know what they're going to sacrifice so it's like Anything I, can appear. I more. have seen people. I have seen people get got by enigmatic into Magus of the Moon so many times. It's unreal because it, as people assume it sacrifices as a cost when it. So at least they think they will get. Well, to but see. even even if it even if it did, like the the point is like as soon as it resolves, it's resolved. Yeah, but at least it's they, done. at least if it's a cost, they assume it's going to be a three drop, and they know at least they. Right. But if they have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, it's just too many options. When you get overwhelmed with options, you don't consider every one of them. You just collapse and say, right. let it happen. So, so the trigger the trigger on an enigmatic incarnation says, I'm on the stack, and the player who controls me is about to sacrifice one of their enchantments. And when they sacrifice that enchantment, they get to search their library for a creature card with a converted mana cost one higher than that enchantment. So you don't know if they're going to sacrifice a one drop or a two drop or a three drop. And you don't know which two drop or three drop or four drop they're going to search for the library to get. So yeah, I, I will agree with you that that's a particularly confusing one. I'm sure one you have gotten people with is you Eladomri's call for a two drop, then you activate your Aether Vial on two, and they're like, oh well, they're going to get that two drop into play. So I'm going to do thing X, and then oh, you're like, uh, no, I'm going to put this like, one into play that I already had in my hand. Well, that happened. You didn't the know. Other, when I was playing a challenge, when I was playing for a five zero the other day against. Um, it was a great player. I think it was Canister, and he was like, he didn't tap down for a Biodadverse on his turn, and I go like, okay, my turn, Biodon 2, cast Recruiter, and he's like, okay, I will do it now before he gets the Magistrate, tap Biodon, put Magistrate into play, that I already had in hand. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and he just concedes the game. Oh... Which is like again, some of these things. It's like it's not always possible, but um, you you know you need to find the corner uh, cases because I could have just passed sure. the turn with an Alambris call and getting in response to him, but casting the recruiter makes him do it in response because he's a good player. He knows right. what I'm and, going and that's, to do. And, yeah, you. And and on the flip on the flip side, it's really funny when you're playing in a league and you do that, and you're like, well, if you were a good player, you would have played into my gambit there, and you did. <laughs> and you did it. You smartest. <laughs> 
You stupid, beautiful idiot. Um, well, I just so, saw a photo of Tyler playing playing recruiter, which made me really happy. Tyler O'Brien and his opponent playing Rhinos cascading into Nature's Claim, and he's just tilting oh. into Oblivion. Leaks <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, or something week, else. Week week one of Modern Horizons was a very special it was time. Beautiful. There were so it many was shardless agent decks. <laughs> With mana dorks in them. So many. So many people trying to play Shadow Station as a fair Magic the Gathering card. And they're getting just... Uh, these, I mean, in my experience, it was people who were playing Crashing Footfalls. They just also put in mana dorks so they could turn to it. <laughs> and then just hit a wonder It carvest. just makes sense, Vord! It just makes sense! Uh, at least at least Spirit Guide is still. <sighs> yeah, yeah, oh. that may think. So <sighs> We got another choice. So, good... Good tutor targets. Oh, that that's that's a, that is a good uh, that's a good that's a good topic. That's a um, that's a really weird topic nowadays because I mean it is, but I, I broke it up into some categories here that are worthy of reference okay. at minimum. So you have cards that literally win the game on the spot. So let's say in the case of uh, goblins, you have a bogger, uh, sorry, a, conspic- a conspicuous snoop in play, snoop boggy mog. And then if you play your Bogart Harbinger, you have to put Kiki Jiki on the top, you win the game. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole combo that happens, but the point is, you have the Kiki Jiki in your deck so that you can win the game with that combo, right? Um, and that makes it a good tutor target. It is a good tutor target. It's not a flexible tutor target. You need the exact setup, but, you know. Um, and at the same, you know, by the same token, Pestermite and Deceiver Exarch were the same thing for Splinter Twin and the uh, theoretical current builds with Kiki Jiki that nobody plays. <laughs> uh, although there are some Kiki Jiki uh, Resto Angel and some Kiki Jiki Felidar Guardian uh, decks yeah. floating around, specifically because Kiki Jiki and Felidar Guardian are both tutorable by Imperial Recruiter. Exactly, and it can tutor. It can allow to go itself. Like Recruiter get Kiki, get Felidar. Just a three card, ele- one card, eleven mana combo. Ten mana combo. Right. Yeah. Um, then we have cards that <laughs> attack. Uh, sorry, we've got cards that increase your your advantage uh, slightly. So Toski's actually a good example of this. You know, Toski's not going to win you the game on the spot, literally ever. No. But it is going to start rolling the ball towards a, a place where your resource advantage is just untouchable. Um, this is actually probably the most tenuous category for modern. I don't feel like there's a lot of no. tutor decks that play things but like this. But I think this. this one relies, like the next ones we're going to mention, rely on this one to get the win. Like they need, sure, they need themselves to close the game. That's where they come at. It. They are few, and they're here to support the next aspect. Yeah, because. Um, it's funny because even in uh, Primeval Titan decks, the very patient Primeval Titan players, th- this is the spot where they tighten, they they go squadron titan on you, because they're like, well, you have interaction, so I'm just gonna go titan into titan into titan into titan, and you'll run out by the third or fourth one, and then I'll kill you. Um, so I could go for things that immediately kill you, but I'm not going to do that because that's a waste of my limited resources where I can just spin it into more. Exactly. Um, where, whereas, category three. So we've got cards that a- attack your opponent's resources actively. Uh, Skyclave Apparition and Deputy of uh, Detentions are a good example of that. Night of Autumn. Full Night um, Or, yeah, new, Newcomer, uh, Dawnbringer Cleric. 
What the, a beautiful the greatest, card. The greatest card to greatest. destroy Urza's Saga with that's ever been printed. So this is one and a white for a 1-3. And then when it enters the battlefield, you get your choice of one of three abilities. Uh, destroy target enchantment, gain three life, or exile one life. card from a graveyard. Oh, it's great. Two life. Right, 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 right. Uh, Charming Prince is very, very, uh, very much like yeah. the gradual advantage version of this, and this is the aggressive version. Exactly. Um, where this actually attacks your opponent's resources or, or gains you some life. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of these. Uh, Fulminator Mage. Um, yeah, these are the cards then, that keep you alive. That get, make you yeah. survive the game. Make you fight what your yeah, opponent is doing. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, I need to deal with thing X. So this exactly. is the category of, of card you're going to get. Whereas, category four, these can be even more powerful in modern with how specific um, certain decks are constructed, certain linear decks. So this is a category of cards that deny your opponent certain avenues to victory. That's how I phrased it. But basically, these are the hate bears. So Dranith Magistrate, Gadok Teague, Meddling Mage. These just say, hey, opponent, you're not doing thing X unless you remove this card. Exactly. So this is a bit of what we talked before of Toski, for example, or Recruiter for Recruiter. If you just cast a Skyclay Operation and a Magus, you are not going to win. You're giving your opponent eight turns to do something about them. If you cast... Right. It's just a 2-2. Two -two. It's not going to exactly. kill anyone. But if you cast Skyclay Operation or Magus and a Toski, your opponent has a 7-turn clock, but you will find enough cards to keep that lock going or close the game. So the cards that increase your advantage are there to get you to get you the resources after your opponent has been slowed down by the third and fourth category. You interact with your opponent enough that your advantage cards can get you alive because they're slower. Toski is a really slow card when compared to expressive iteration. So, you know, it sounds like um, a lot of this I think comes back to to sort of the the. I don't know, the heart of like the death and taxes deck style, which is you're really a slow control deck that is just kind of, you know, killing with paper cuts and accruing small advantage. And I mean, modern is a, a format where, you know, somebody can rip something off the top like a prismatic ending and answer your death shadow. And if you are really all in on something like a protect the queen strategy, you might just get blown out of the water. Um, this is very much the opposite of that, where none of your cards are incredibly Ooh. high value or incredibly high impact um, necessarily, but in concert, it's just like, well, which do I kill? I can kill Toski and they stop drawing, but you know they still have the Magus out. I can kill the That's Magus. If you and can kill Toski, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. A bit about that, it's, I think that's a reason, for example, when Birthing Pod is banned. Birthing Pod, uh, while being a tutor, does something that a Silver Bullet should do. Sil um, Birthing Pod allows you to get an, an, a slight advantage over the game without needing to get cards that give you an advantage over the game. Enigmatic Incarnation mm. does the same. You don't need to get a Tosk when you have an Enigmatic. You are, are going to keep getting Silver Bullets. You're going to get Magus into Meddling, into Meddling, into a copy of Magus. Because Enigmatic keeps going. Enigmatic has, has a huge downside that requires to play enchantments in modern, and enchantments are really bad in modern. But Birthing Pot doesn't. So Birthing Pot itself allows you to just keep getting bears into play without ever losing on tempo or resources. So that's, that's where Recruiter is a balanced card 
while Bertling Port doesn't. Recruiter needs you to get a Toski. Bertling Port goes, meddling, 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 copy meddling, name another thing, Babus, and you keep going. Right. The the recruiter needs you to find another way to get the thing into play that you get. It needs you to do something else because a one one and a two two are not going to close the game. But a constant stream of, right. of two two swill. Yeah, so the, the bargain you have is instead of putting the next card directly into play, you get a 1-1, one, one. <laughs> which is like... Exactly. That's like the ultimate the ultimate spite thing. Well, listen, I'm not going to give you anything except for a 1-1. One, one. And, and then Mord was the one who, t- who said, oh, I'm going to take this 1-1 one, I'm gonna one, use and I'm going to make one, you regret one. it. I'm going to make you regret giving me this 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I'm going to exploit this 1-1 one, one to extreme. I will ephemerate it, I will brought it back, and I will copy this 1-1. One, I'm one. going to win this game with a pawn. <laughs> you watch. You let this pawn go too far behind your back line. Not even the pawn. Go. The recruiter of the pawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win this pawn with that checkers. I'm going to win this chess game with that checkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that's great. All right, so we we have a good idea, or rather, we have defined some heuristics uh, that <laughs> mm. determine what is a good tutor and a good tutor target. Uh, then my next question is, how many tutor targets? So one of the things that strikes me about a lot of your list is how almost everything is both a viable tutor target and is also sort of a, a standalone threat in that it will generate some value or, you know, yeah, you you're with like so. a lot of... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say good because I think when we talk about good cards, we're talking about things that are super. Charming high Prince is definitely modern playable. Yeah, but they are <laughs> exactly. modern playable cards. So this is something I was about to mention. Another thing, so I'm glad you brought it up. A lot of people ask me why I don't just play a Federer Kiki and win the game, because that just wins the game. It's faster. It's more efficient. It just helps you close the lock. Thing is, silver bullets and tutor targets have gotten so good over time, you don't need to close the game. You're not getting, I don't know, a Wasteland Strander to kill something. You're getting Skyclave Apparition. You're not getting Kataki. You're getting Collector Roof. You're getting stuff that's so good with, with what was compared to two years ago. That's insane. You just get Collector Roof. Like, I had this game the other day on, on paper where my opponent was playing Hammer and I developed Collector Roof, Phyrexian Revoker, Maus. And my opponent played three Torporors. No one played that game. No one. No one. <laughs> but my, but I had four. I, eventually, the game ran it out. I had three brought back in hand and three ephemerates. And my opponent milled out. I literally milled my hammer opponent. Because the stack species are so good nowadays that if you get enough of them, you don't need to combo. You're going to win somehow with four or five flyers to the face six times. You just have really efficient ways to protect them, and they're stupidly strong. So, yeah, it's going to be annoying, it's going to be time-consuming, and it's going to suck for all players involved. But if I have to mill you out, <laughs> I will mill you out. And I, I guess, actually, this is a, an interesting follow-on question. Uh, I do still want to come back to how you pick your numbers, yeah. but uh, I've noticed a lot of these decks are also Urian decks. Um, can you speak to that a little bit as well? So, my idea behind loving Urion came with Neve. When you were playing Neve, you never played a 4 off of literally any card, except maybe um, Utopia Sprawl, because it's the best orb for the deck. So, when you do the math, 3 equals 4 if you go to Urion. Like, mathematically, even if you go to all, like, for the aspect of you're drawing less efficiently, 
you are not if you, you weren't playing four of before, right? So when you upgrade to Neve, it gives so if you go to your eye it gives you two advantages. First, as weird as it sounds, it gives you better mana. Having more cards makes your mana better. As long as you're not running more than the amount of fetchlands of this of the places of fetchlands you would. As weird as that sounds, you're playing more shotlands you can get while just increasing the number of fetchlands. Your mana is more consistent, you can run four basics and draw them less in a five color deck. No, and as someone who's played a lot of Velomachus recently, um, we, I don't know what the hell we were thinking that we weren't playing 12 fetch lands before. Exactly. We were playing 10. And then, yeah, I think it was Mr. Rabe came in. He was like, so, guys, yeah, you, you don't need as many mana producing lands. Just play more fetches. So it will be better. I'm just looking at my, and, and, at my Orion deck. I play between 16 and 18 fetch lands, depending on the deck. Yeah, and, and Brian, that's exactly the face I made when I realized it. Because at one point, I sat down with his list and I broke it up. I was like, there's 11 mana-producing lands yeah. and, like, tw- like 18, 19 fetch lands. fetches. And I think, like, you don't need more than 11 mana. You're not going to use more you than don't. 11 that's mana. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy if you imagine a situation where you have 11 lands in play. But you just go, like, okay, I could... Get another fetch and I could get another basic. And I already have four. I don't need a fifth one. I don't want to draw that one. I can have more fetches. I can run four prismatic, four windsor to hit, four misty, and three marsh floods. And I'm going to get perfect mana because my hand will have fetchlands. And my Brennan six or my broad back will get its value that I needed to get. And people I love that. It's just a really weird concept, but the more cards your deck has, as long as it doesn't force you to play bad fetchlands, so up to 180 or 100 cards, your mana will be better if you need the fetchlands for fixing. Especially because you can add a triumph, and you're not, if you're playing 200 cards, you're playing Battle of Wits, you can have 5 triumphs, 5 triumphs, and fetch them always and never draw them. Like, that's the total extreme of the equation. Mm-hmm. I like how we started talking about tutors, and we didn't even talk about the fact that fetchlands are the, next tutor the, the ultimate game. tutor. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that we we moved into this space uh, when we got the, to the basic Ryan. tutor. Uh, it's 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 like you go in for a lesson, and the teacher is like, "Okay, first I want you to one. consider the floor. I want you to consider your breathing." And you're like, "What? I came here to learn kung fu." It's like, "Yes, but before you can do kung fu, you have to realize you have a body, and your body needs to breathe." <laughs> Before, before, but it is like yeah. that. It really is like you just and, and the amount that one. people don't, the amount that people sometimes don't pay attention to the basic building blocks of something they're doing. In the case of magic decks, it could be the mana, and I'm totally guilty of this. But it's like one of those things that recently I've been like, oh yeah, no. why didn't we do that? <laughs> I really tuned my mana because I was playing Eve, which was really mana intensive. So you have to really know your mana for sure. But this yeah. same aspect. Can we move to the silver bullets? The same thing I said. I said if I was playing Battle of Wits, I could play five Triumphs. Well, if I was playing Battle of Wits, I could play a main deck collector roof and never draw it, but tutor for it when I need it. What's the restraining factor? Well, I don't want to play a bad tutor. I don't want to play an off-color fetchland. If I have to play off-color fetchlands, my money is not getting better. If I have to play green tutor to get my collector roof, it's not getting better. So the restricting factor is how many good tutors do you have and how many silver good silver bullets do you have. Well, in modern, we have reached a point where you have great creature tutors or great artifact tutors. El Adamris Call is an amazing card, especially if you have either Ramp or Vial. Recruiter, as we said, is an amazing card. And if you are playing 60 cards, you will never play 8 tutors 
or even 6, you would play 4 or 5. Which means going up to your Orion only equals upping that amount of tutors. And you will keep your ratio. And then you have a free 4-5 flyer that has a lot of synergy with the remainder of your deck. Hopefully. So, yeah. yeah. Hopefully. So as long as <laughs> you are not forced into playing bad cards, the Orion will help you. That's why I go to up to 80. As long as it doesn't make you make a bad decision. Like, I'm not going to play... I don't know, Grim Tutor, Grim Tutor, for example, because I have a Orion. I'm going to play an Andris Call, which is slightly worse than Recruiter, but a lot better than the alternatives. Like, it's a tier card. It's a modern playable card. Right. And so, then that... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to, get to go back to the original question, then. how many tutors? How many targets? Yes, I was just going to try and lead you back there, so <laughs> thank you. So, out how many targets... You want most of your targets to be cards you will play in your own deck. You want Skyclear Apparition, which is a more, which is an amazing card. You want a creature that can get you that. You want a playable value card. You want cards like Toski, which is an amazing card on its own. You, we have seen Spring Pike play band decks with Toski before all of this. And then you want to get cards that will win you the game if they enter the board. You want Sanctified Embex. You want Granite Magistrates. And you want enough of them to feel comfortable against most of the meta. You are going to draw them from time to time. Yeah, I'm going to draw a Sanctifier and back against Rhinos and feel like I have a bear in hand. But a lot of the times I'm going to get a Dronith Magistrate on turn 3 with a Recruiter and a Vial and I'm going to win that game. Because I have that Dronith Magistrate. So when you're playing these sort of decks, your matchups really depend on how you build the deck on its own. Like, if I wake up today and decide, hey, I'm not playing, I don't think the meta will be aggressive enough, I don't think I need to run the Sanctifier main deck, and I face three Lurus decks, I assure you I will lose more, uh, like, a lot more de matchups than I would with any other deck by changing only one card. There's five or six slots you just trim around that are like your bullets for matchups. You have the Magus, you have the Sanctifier, you have the Dranith Magistrate, you have the Meddling Mage. You pick the best card for the specific matchup, matchup you expect to, to face. The, most, the more unfair the matchup, the better your, cyber, your Silver Bullet will be. Dranith Magistrate is, games, uh, is great against Cascade, it wins you the game. While Sanctifier does not win you the game against um, Iset Murktide. It will help you, but it won't win you a game because it's a fair matchup. The fairest your opponent, the more you are going for the advantage tutors. Like, it's really weird for me to tutor a Sanctifier against Murtai when I can just get a Toski and wind him out of the game with Solitudes as I start top decking them. So, it sounds then like uh, you run a bunch of, you know, a, a handful of singleton silver bullets that win the game, and then you're running uh, a a wider band of some of these like value creatures, um, including like the recruiter, which is also the tutor. But you know, you mentioned uh, Renegade Rallyer. You mentioned Skyclear Operation. Yeah, Skyclear Operation is a card you can friends. always get. You are happy to draw it. You are happy to find it. And the linchpin in most of my decks, like the card that tends to win the game, I don't play combos for the same reason I said before. I lock the game and I just win. And the linchpin to that is an Eternal Witness plus an Ephemerate. <laughs> oh, wow. It's so good. That's my combo. That's how I win the game. 
some eternal command uh, yeah. flashbacks but going you will on here. see a lot of games if you watch a video of me a stream of mine or just talking with Zach where I just say get witness and win yep and the game will end in the seven turns from now but the game was over the second I got back the ephemeral with the witness but but to, for for reference that's because you're very good at choosing the spot to do exactly it. Like because it's, it's not a win on because the spot if you choose the right spot to do that it is such a landslide of value exactly. that it is almost impossible for any deck to come back from it unless they're playing like specifically Lavender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just like, okay, I'm going to get a recruiter, get witness, and I'm going to hold up an ephemerate, and my opponent might kill the witness, and I will in response, ephemerate, get back, brought back. With one mana. Yeah, and if that one mana I play will win you the game. Because you're going to witness yep. the win, you're going to ephemerate the witness, get back a broadback, and now you're like, okay, I can't lose, because if I open fails my ephemerate, I will play broadback, get it back the witness, get it back the ephemerate, get it back the broadback. And it will all chain back to the beginning as I make a steady advantage and just keep hitting him. And none of that while protecting the key hate piece that built me to this spot. Like, I will hold my ephemerate protecting my mouse at every single moment. Ephemerate when you're playing um, denying silver bullets, when you're playing Magus or Oof, it's a one mana dispel. It's one white mana dispel to your opponent's removal. And that's something a lot of the time isn't considered, that's just, I don't need to make value, I need my silver bullet to survive, I'm winning. <laughs> I don't need to blink anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I think the other thing too, that you have to get to when you, when you talk about the tutor target, um, question yeah is uh wh what you know how much space does the core engine of your deck take up and how much do you how much do you need specific tutor targets because if we talk about a deck like um amulet titan um i think it's fair to say that that deck has literally in its classic form had two strong tutor packages and in its more modern form had three yeah. Which is crazy to think of. So in the in the classic form, they had Summoner's Pact, which could get you green creatures from your deck, and they had Teleria West. Uh, in the modern form, they also had Urza Saga. So that's three distinct tutor packages that are all competing for space. But if you notice, almost always the Summoner's Pact package, it didn't tutor for many things. There was no. one Azusa, four Dryad, four Titan. But not only those that, cards were just it's such... way too important to your core strategy. And also the fact those packages seem so distant, but they are one of the same. Sure. The Lance package well, and, gets and you the Dryad, which gets you a pack, which gets you a Titan, which gets you the Ursa Saga's package. So as long as they sure. can find but each they, other. But they were built to be that way. I mean, you can build in tutor packages into each other. We could build, we have built. An Imperial Recru Recruiter Trinket Mage Urza Saga deck. Yes. So it's like, oh, you can bridge the two uh, packages with with this card. And it's like, well, yeah, you can, but like, does it result in a powerful deck? In this case, it did. In 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 the the classic form of Titan, which obviously they're not doing so hot right now. But 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 my point is, their Teleria West Tutor package did have a lot of silver bullets, and the Summoner's Pact part did not. Why? Well, because of the way that those linked to the actual parts of the deck they were built into. So the the green creatures in that deck, I mean, that was the core engine. Like, that was the whole thing that made the deck powerful. And the reason that the Teleria West engine had a lot more silver bullets is 
because that that was kind of the space where you had room. You know, you had room for more lands because almost any land in that deck was useful because Amulet of Vigor made it useful. Bajukabog may not be a good land in most decks, uh, but you didn't need to use some kind of creature as Graveyard Hate because you could use Bajukabog because in a fail case, you draw Bajukabog, but at least it untaps with an Amulet of Vigor to cast <laughs> you a Titan. Exactly. Yeah. So the tutor target question is, you know, it is important in its way, but really it's how much space do you have for your tutor targets? And what is the the floor, Which by which I mean what is the worst case scenario for that card and what is the ceiling? What is the best case scenario for that card? So, yeah, but you in, know, in that scenario, you, you go really deep into the card. Like, it sure. tends to be like, like, there's like a spectrum of like, the better the card is in the specific matchup you want it, the mm -hmm. worst it will be in all other matchups. Sanctifying Beck being the only exception because it's just so stupidly good. But I, I would like to point out that that's not entirely true because um, Charming Prince is a perfect example of a card that has a very high floor. Yeah. The the worst that it ever is is not so bad. Yeah, but that's like it's, but it's, that's why I said it, it's not on but, the other of the spectrum. It's like you're never uh, going to win the but, game. Ah, but in the mid range matchups, when you're the Orion deck with the Charming Prince, it is really high up. Yeah. So that so I, I that's what I mean. That is a card where in some matchups the ceiling is really yeah, high. and it has a decent floor. But it has a decent floor. Whereas Draneth Magistrate, yeah, the the, the, the floor is terrible. It's a one three for two. It's a two mana one three that is going to do yeah, nothing. That's it. But then next game yeah. you're going to fight it against Rhinos and he isn't going to even able to cast his own crusher. Exactly. So. So, but what I'm saying is, like, these, these cards are so complex and multifaceted because magic is so complex and multifaceted yeah. that that is why experience in both the specific deck that you're playing and the metagame at large is important. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you can't learn some of these things quickly. What I'm saying is that the, the lessons are very complex and need to be done on oftentimes an individual card-to-card -card basis. Yes. Um, but, but generally speaking, so, uh, your tutor package, how big can you afford? How big can you afford your tutor package to be? You know, that's exactly. that's a question you're going to have to ask yourself and evaluate on a deck-to-deck -deck basis. <laughs> yes, I agree exactly with that. And how will you split between generically good cards you want to get slash draw and the specific silver bullet to win? You mm -hmm. can't answer that without knowing the exact meta and testing. Because mm -hmm. some days exactly. you will want a running magistrate in the main deck, sometimes you will want a meddling mage, and sometimes you are really just like screw this up and just running second charming prince. But that said, one of the best things you can do for yourself is if you are playing one of these decks, make sure that every time you find a card that you are considering or that you've seen be successful, write it down and do not forget it. Yeah. Because you don't know the next time that card is well, going to be super useful that and you don't want to forget about we it. We saw that today when I just realized, well, Stratus and Mesa tends to be a hard lock against my sort of decks or like elementals. They name creatures that you cry. Right, Sarah's Emissary is a beast. Giant Killer is a recruiter target that kills Sarah's Emissary. I'm sorry, oh. are you saying Jack who chopped down the beanstalk? Is Did you just fetch up Jack? I did that today. I won a game against Sarah's Emissary by getting Giant Killer. That's awesome. And I was like, yeah. because I was thinking, I had a defending to the deck because I wanted to solve that problem, and I'm like, wait, 
this is a really bad solution, but I can tutor for it. Yep, so Giant Killer is a one-mana, one-two human peasant. Yes, peasant is a creature type. Um, he has an ability that says one and a white tap, tap target creature. Okay, that's actually not that bad. I mean, for if standard. you have mana sitting around. Well, I mean, it, no, it was bad in standard. Okay, but, but the point is, but But the point is, first, you can cast Chop Down. So this is an adventure card, much like its big brother, Bone Crusher Giant, and its uh, otherwise well-known cards, uh, uh, Brazen Borrower. This has a instant attached to it called Chop Down, which is two and a white, instant, destroy target creature with power four or greater. You know, like, I don't know, Merc Tide Regent. Or Seros Emissary. You know, or like or a, hammer, a, a hammer equipped creature. Yeah, yeah. Selesnia Charm, eat your heart out. Exactly. So I, I just saw the early people running Selesnia Charm and I'm like, wait, guys, there's something better. Well, it depends on the deck, but. No, because they were running it for creature. They were running decks, an yeah. Right, right, right. Just right. people. I was, where I saw um, Selesnia Charm was in F. Paulus's uh, Naya Reclaimer deck, which doesn't have any... Oh, no, I saw it in another version by another guy, which was running, like, mm. the Lamp is called Package, and I'm like, I know, like, it took me weeks to think about it, and I'm the recruiter guy, so, but at least it, unless it fibers or people see it, no one is going to consider Giant Killer as a way to remove Serra's Emissary, because right. people don't spend, spend the day watching bad creatures. Well, <laughs> I, I want you to know what you're doing right now is you're feeding that FOMO that I get every time a new set is released and I see a unique looking card. I'm like, maybe one day that'll be broken. Maybe I need to own that. It's only 25 cents. What could it possibly be? Well, hurt? I have that problem, so that's why I'm playing, like, don't bring a cleric kills Ursa Saga. It's, a two mana, it's the only two mana creature in the game that does naturalize besides the, the one that requires tricks and a creature from a graveyard. But it's insane. It's... Or the the sacrifice one, right? Was there's damage. a the bug. No, no, no. There's a, there's like a bug that people use. Casting caterpillar. Yeah, that one. <laughs> but that requires three mana because it's one and two. This is the only two right, mana right. ATV creature that naturalizes in the whole game. It's insane. Yeah. Like it's a bad creature, but it's the only creature in the game that does that for that mana cost. Yep. And you also have like I don't. Know, there's a player that it's the one that got me playing tutor, which is called Antoine. He's a French player, an amazing player, by the way. And he named, he names the deck actually Creature Control. That's how he always names the deck. And we have a, fa a file with all the playable creatures. And he has stuff like Pedalken Plotter. Uh... Pedalken Plotter is a 3-mana 1-1 one -one that changes control of a land with you and your opponent. And he uses that to steal your Sasaga. That's amazing. It's a 3-1-1 ETV that does that. And he's the only person that will ever think of that. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> and then you win a game with that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it goes. And you're like, okay. And then you start finding more creatures. You realize that even Skydiver is a Magic the Gathering card that beats on Hammer. You remember Spells to the Sprite exists, and it really sits on any sort of Cascade because it's two mana countered as an ETV. And they, they can't they can't yeah even if they it kill it it will counter yeah. the cascade effect. Yep. And you start running That's into pretty good. a lot of really specific situations and usually cards that are terrible but in specific meta in the right situations with a determinate tutor that finds them over other cards, they become more playable and that happens a lot in the format. Just look at the 
um, split car that is called Gary's one side and and, and oh, crime punishment exactly it hasn't yeah. seen play since it was printed but all of a sudden it kills and it wasn't even played much when it was printed exactly. <laughs> and it kills constructs and it kills us a saga for two mana it's amazing and today it's an there amazing cyber card but if someone was has a, if it wasn't seen by a player that played that standard I don't know how many years ago it wouldn't have come up because I wouldn't have thought about it no one would have thought about it except the one player that remembered that card because no one sits and just watches cry for the whole day no I just remember things like chimney imp that are not useful <laughs> but that kind of so this actually uh, leads me to another question, which is how often do you reevaluate your, you know, your tutor targets or your silver bullets or whatever? Every um, single you know, day that I play Magic, I do so. I will okay. sit 10, 15 minutes before my league, look at my deck list, and think about, okay, this overperforms, this sucks nowadays, I need full minute in the main deck because everyone is playing Green Tron. And make two, three really small changes. But when you can tutor for those changes, they don't become so small. The difference between having a full meter or not a full meter and enigmatic is the difference between beating Tron and not beating Tron on game one. And it will be the difference. And you will run upon it because one full meter mage equals a lot of full meter mages when you have the log of Lurus plus full meter mage plus Phantasma Dimash. <laughs> and instead of playing a green the game, you just go for that. You mulligan for an enigmatic that gets you full major. You just try to find a phantasma image to lock the game with Lurus. But if you don't have That's a full major, awesome. you're going to lose that game one. That you could have easily won. No, and and I used to get in fights with Mord and Davius Minimus over the deck lists with enigmatic or any of these tutor creature package lists because. As an individual player with an individual style and your own patterns, like sometimes you get into a spot where you're like, you cut deputy of detention from your 95? What are you, are you crazy? And even recently we went through that where I was like, Ward, you're not playing deputy, you're crazy. And he's like, what do I need it for? I'm like, all the things. There's so many things. I, like we said... And sometimes I'm wrong. That's the thing. Sometimes I'm basing that on some previous knowledge because they're like, no, no, watch like watch these games. I won without it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess you could do it your way. Yeah, you would. Well, I, I think it's important, you know, you said you have a style of play. And I know we've touched on this in previous episodes, but, you know, I think you need to account for your style of play when you're building your own deck. Um, Especially these if decks. You, Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I think this illustrates it really well. If you know that you are prone to certain play patterns and you are prone to certain ways of thinking, then you want to play to that. You don't want to put a bunch of stuff in there that isn't going to be intuitive to you. You know, um, I think that it was uh, during the episode that I was out where you know you and Jiggy were talking about how do you prepare for a competitive event, and you said you do all of the playing before the event so that when the event happens, it's muscle memory. You know yeah. what your rea your response to certain things is. And I think it's the same with this. You know, you you do all of the playing with a lot of these cards before you sit down across the table, and then you know what you're going to tutor for because you've already thought through these scenarios in your head. And so you really want to build to those strengths. Yeah. Or yeah. you have I mean, thought, you, you can, what you, is this card doing here? Why is this the, the hardest part is saying, why is this card here? This specific card, why is it here and they sent any other card in Magic? And you stumble upon really difficult choices because 
why would you play like the only, the only if you if you're coming to find a creature with a tutor you run into a really weird spot like if you're playing Dragon Magistrate against Cascade X if you're playing more than two Dragon Magistrates it means you're either a hoping to draw one or hoping the first one should die but if you're hoping to draw one isn't there any single Magic the Gathering card even if it's not too trouble that you will play against that deck because as weird as it sounds if I wouldn't run three Dranith Magistrates if because running more than one assumes I would try to draw it like I would hope to have it in my starting hand okay but then why wouldn't I place a Mystical Dispute for example why wouldn't I play something better in that current scenario where I drew it except if I was hoping it would die it's a really weird scenario you don't want the second one because if you're hoping to draw it just play something that if you draw it it's better you're not trying to increase your chances of drawing it because then you shouldn't be playing Planet Magistrate. You should be playing Mystical Dispute. Or yeah. like something or Special Sprite. Something that if you draw it, it's better, but if you tutor for it, it's worse. Because after the first one it has a really slow value that drawing it makes it worse than the, any other alternative. Because you just want to tutor the one. Right. And we usually see that pattern with, like, well-established toolbox decks, is they'll usually pare down to the absolute bare minimum of everything. Yeah. But, and people will be like, why not play more Planet Magistrates? You can draw it more. But the phrase is, I don't want to draw the Magistrate more. I want to draw a good card in this matchup. If I draw, the mag if I draw two Magistrates, I have done something wrong. One of those Magistrates should have been a better card. Because... Right, because there, there's just a huge number of matchups where you're not playing against the one where it's very Exactly. Right. So, uh, before we get distracted for infinite amount of times with theoretical talk, let's let's just jump in on some of the more popular tutor packages in Modern to talk about uh, a little bit. Uh, this is not going to be the world's most exhaustive, perfect coverage of all of these. We have notes on some of them, a little bit less on others, maybe none on some. But that's fine. We're just going to talk about some of the tutor packages that we see in Modern frequently, you know, right now. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we... We didn't list um, Finale of Devastation, but we're going to talk about Court of Calling and maybe a little bit of Eldritch Evolution, those both tutor for creatures. So... Uh, we're going to do our best to cover a lot of the tutor packages that are getting played frequently in Modern right now. And I thought I'd start us off with a card that not many people have heard of. Not a lot of buzz about this card out of Modern Horizons 2. But I think it's I think it's got something special going on. Uh, what do you guys think about Urza's Saga? I always loved the card. I definitely love it. But I am just eagerly awaiting Mishra's <laughs> Saga. With the release oh, of man. the Brothers War. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so so uh, for anyone who's not totally hooked into uh, all the recent news, uh, next year we're getting um, a set named Dominaria United, immediately followed by a set called the Brothers War, which is going to be a period piece during the Brothers War. Um, so it means we might get a playable Mishra creature, maybe. Oh. Or some some people today were saying uh, Mishra and or Urza Planeswalkers. I think they'll both be creatures if they are featured in that set. But anyway. Uh, 
Yeah, Urza's Saga is a, a great little piece of tech. I think that we are probably all incredibly familiar with it at this point. Um, anybody who is playing Modern or listening to this podcast, I'm sure, is aware of what Urza's Saga does. Uh, but we have it listed here because of the third chapter, which does tutor a zero or one mana value uh specifically generic uh it, it's actually not mana value it's uh mana cost of zero or one generic uh and it will put mm-hmm. it directly into play and that is an incredibly powerful thing as we had mentioned earlier yeah it still messes with me sometimes i i, I swear sometimes i still think that i'm gonna have to cast it i don't know why like i played with the card enough but it's just like every now and then so much my brain is us. like i mean sh- well, not when you're getting zeros. Even then, um, even then, it would be more balanced. No, I mean, it would be, but like the, the more important thing is like it, it's funny for me that occasionally I, I just have that feeling like okay, I'm gonna have to pay one for my shadow spear. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna no, have no. to pay one for my expedition map. Like I, I don't know why, but anyway, so yeah, puts puts your zero drop or your one drop directly into play, and. Um, as we said before, one of the things you need to think of is the context of the deck. Almost all of the Urza Saga decks play a pretty reasonable number of artifacts in them. Uh, there are two decks I can think of that play a very low number of artifacts with Urza Saga, and that is uh, the the uh, Naya Reclaimer deck I talked about earlier. And uh, Etron actually plays a very small number of main deck artifacts compared to a lot of the other decks also this, that are around. Also the Traverse, the Grul. Yeah, the, and then there's the, the new Jun deck and the new Grul deck. Yeah, yeah. Those are pretty new, though. And we don't know if they're going to stick around and become, like, real staples. But as we talked about them before, they're pretty good. Um, so, uh, first of all, Urza's Saga is itself colorless, but most of the decks you're going to play it in are not colorless. Um, so I've grouped these, uh, these artifacts into a couple categories here. There's the colorless ones. These don't require you to be in any color. You can play this in any deck. Uh, and the first one that I think is worth talking about is Expedition Map, which is kind of neat because you can just get another Saga. Um, Hmm. or you can get a Tron Land because some of these decks are Tron decks. Um, is there anything else that you guys think that you could do with Expedition Map that it's really exciting in, like, an Urza Saga deck or that's maybe worth, worth having? Well... You mean with expedition? With, I just lost the other day to just my opponent go and turn one expedition map just to get his fourth run and on turn four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so just sacrifice. Obviously, turn one Usa Saga, it's sacrifice on turn three, and he just get the expedition map to draw me on turn four. Yeah, just like they good enough. Just sometimes they go for yeah, what they yeah, should. Eldrazi Tron does that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I actually. I, I think Expedition Map is something I've been playing more of, and this was sort of starting before Saga was released because of the Silver Gak lists, um, but it's actually really handy, even as like a one-of sometimes, and I think in these Saga decks it can be particularly nice because if you are artifact-heavy, you can play things like Inventor's Fair, which will allow you to tutor for another artifact. Mm. Um, or you can play, uh, you know, a life gain spell. I mean, basically you can start to look at your deck as if it has a small, you know, it, it has the space for a small lands package. So you can do things like, uh, you know, primetime decks do and run your single bajuka bog or your radiant fountain to gain some life. Now you're not going to get quite the same value as a primetime deck because you don't have the bounce lands probably. So you're not like getting repeat 
ETB triggers on these things, but you know, uh, it is certainly something that you consider, you can consider. And there are a lot of utility lands out there now. You know, the castles, um, even things like Dorvan Mine or uh, you know, Gingerbread Cabin or Witch's Cottage. I mean, it really just opens up the door to playing all sorts of wacky stuff. Yeah, uh, Desolate Lighthouse, Gyre Reach Sanitarium. I mean, yeah, yeah there you go. There's a lot of crazy stuff you could do. I haven't seen too much of it, but uh, yeah. Uh, next up, we got Shadow Spear. This is one of the most fetched things with an Urza Saga um, because this was a card from Theros Beyond Death that did not see a lot of play back in, when it was released. Uh, but I played it in Pioneer, which is why I had my copy on the cheap. Uh, it's very popular with Commander players. So it's a one mana artifact, legendary equipment. Uh, equips for two, gives the creature plus two, plus two, lifelink, and trample. But wait, there's more. Uh, it also has a one mana activatable ability that uh, removes hexproof and uh, indestructible from all your opponent's permanents, which you don't think is going to be relevant until you realize dusky it means you have an answer for their culture complete. And dusky dice. Gives... Oh, yep. It gives plus one, plus one, by the way. Sorry, plus one, plus one for two mana. Uh, for two mana equip cost. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, that's pretty good. And the lifelink is just nuts. That That's, that's, that's the long and short of that card. Yeah. Um, actually, on the same token, uh, I didn't write this down, uh, but I did get messed up by it today, even though we ended up winning. Uh, Basilisk's Caller. <laughs> Basilisk's color um from etron uh it's uh you can it gives death touch and lifelink yeah which is especially dangerous with uh walking blista yep yeah uh we've got welding jar uh that regenerates artifacts this is really good against uh supreme verdict out of the blue white control decks uh, because oftentimes you'll have you know two powerful saga uh generated tokens and so they want to deal with both of them because you know if they play a teferi and bounce it your token's going to kill their teferi um and so they'll try to get you with supreme verdict but uh, welding jar actually gets you through that because supreme verdict does not have wrath of god's clause that says can't be regenerated um so while it can't be countered it's not perfect um, yeah this is also then, a good one to pack in right now because of the prevalence of fury and unholy heat and other things like that Coligan's command i mean mm -hmm. there, there's just a lot of yeah 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 so well welding jar is definitely something you, you shouldn't leave home without uh Tormod's crypt relic of progenitus and soul guide lantern it's some good graveyard hate um you, you you always want to pack a little bit of graveyard hate in modern when you can afford the space um Pivoting Needle is obviously a great little card for just all sorts of nonsense. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, and sometimes when you draw it and you cast it, your opponent doesn't crack their fetch land in response. <laughs> and you just go for the throat, you know? No mercy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then finally, Springleaf Drum. This is pretty popular right now. Um, Springleaf Drum is really important just because uh, you are stone raining yourself with Urza Saga. And I want to be very clear, Urza Saga is not free. Uh, the Urza Saga takes from you. Um, and uh, so Springleaf Drum helps you replace that mana because hopefully you made at least one construct along the way. Uh, unless your uh, Urza Saga got pithy needled. <laughs> uh, then we've got some colored spells. Aether Spellbomb, Pyrate Spellbomb, Nile Spellbomb. Uh, these are in blue, red, and black 
correspondingly. Um, they are all uh, useful if you have that color, but you can just uh, cycle Aether Spellbomb or Pirate Spellbomb without that. Nile Spellbomb on the flip side will exile your opponent's graveyard even if you don't have the black mana to pay to draw a card with it. So um, for those who don't know these cards in specific, I mean, they're just worth looking up for, for different bits and pieces. And then I threw Colossus Hammer into the colored uh, section here because without Sigarda's <laughs> aid, you're not playing Colossus Hammer in the average deck. No. Uh, although I have considered it. Um, so uh, there are a bunch of different creature tutors in modern um, with different constraints. Hmm. Uh, Imperial Recruiter is the one our friend Mordekaiser is most familiar with. Um, so with the metagame at large um, and Imperial Recruiter as our uh, as our captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Yeah, it fetches any creature from your deck with power 2 or less. So I'm going to run through these uh, tier decks in the metagame mode. Yeah. And uh, for, for our dear listeners, uh, I just want you to think of what you would recruit for in those matchups, if you'd be so kind. Right. So, for example, if I was playing Blue-Red Murktide, uh, what, 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 are, are there any great Imperial Recruiter targets against Blue-Red Murktide? Sanctifier Mimic or Giant Killer, depending on the game. On the turn, okay. mostly. Nothing else? Um, you would start with those two 100%. Then, depending on the scenario, and ha- depending on the table, you could go for, like, like a Skyclave. But it's, in most mm-hmm. scenarios, one of those three. Like, it's really weird. For the If you're slightly ahead and your opponent had a low, slow start, you're going to get a Toski. Because they don't run efficient two-for-one removals. They don't have Lava Dark, they yeah, don't have a way to clear Toski the is- uncounterable and indestructible, so the blue-red deck has a really hard time with that. Exactly. So it will resolve, and you're just going... And now he has to remove your recruiters, because his creatures have right. to attack. His, his senators have to attack. His Bragavans trade with your recruiters, and if Murktai doesn't attack, you're winning. So now he has to remove right. your one ones. Every single one one must die on ETV. Uh, hammer time. Hammer time, it's either Skyclave Apparition, 100%, you are getting, if you have an Elamris call, you are getting Fury or Solitude, but in specific Imperial Recruiter scenario, you are getting Skyclave Apparition mm-hmm. or Collector Oof in most games. Right. Those are your way out. Yeah. And in, ga- in game ones, you usually don't play Collector Oof. No, um, I just rely heavily on if my hand has any sort of link effect. I will start by getting, for example, a, um, a Skyclave and then rely on the on a blink effect to get a Soul Hard or unlock the game. Skyclave plus Soul right. Hard will win the game. Right. And if we expand this to Eladomri's call, Solitude, all of a sudden Fury and Solitude are in play, and, exactly. and Solitude is, of course, That's what, incredibly This is powerful. what we cry. We got the Red Recruiter instead of Recruiter of the Guard. That just gets you <laughs> Solitude, and then you can just be happy. For for those who don't know, there is a card that is almost exactly the same as Imperial Recruiter called Recruiter of the Guard, um, which was, ironically, was printed second. Um, It's white, and it gets you a creature with toughness, two or less, which has a very different set of cards it gets, including Solitude. So, really small run. White card checking toughness, that makes, makes... Like, small toughness makes zero sense, and red card checking small right. sports power And the red card sense. checking light power. I know, that's why no I asked about it earlier. No sense whatsoever, and I hate it. I know, that's the why I asked about it earlier. The red card should check for toughness, 
and the red card to six for like over two and over two or uh, the other side. And at one. least and it makes le- no but the thing, sense. But the thing is, I love Wizards for that because they printed Imperial Recruiter in Portal Three Kingdoms, which was a supplemental product. Which, like, was not really even... It wasn't in standard. Like, it wasn't... It it was just this supplemental product. It wasn't part of any format except for Legacy until... It's from the year I was born. Right? And... Right, exactly. And then they printed Recruiter of the Guard as an homage to that card. And they said, well, if that one didn't make sense, we'll make sure that this one doesn't make sense. Why? Because they're wonderful people. Because when they print things for eternal formats, they print them for people like me. And people like me love, they're like, well, it didn't make sense the first time, so let's do it backwards, but it still doesn't make sense this time. It, it hurts me. Like, ah, why? Just, I know, I know. I just want, I so, other card I would get... So like can a... I distract you with feelings of joy, because Cascade Rhinos... And Living End. You're ready for these matchups. What are you recruiting? Yeah, Granite Magistrate, always. And there's a really specific reason for Granite Magistrate, which is right Okay, so Granite Magistrate, for those who don't know, is from Ikoria. It's one and a white for a 1 3 creature. And it says player uh, opponents, opponents cannot cast spells except from in their hands. So what happens here? We used to play Melding Mage in the main deck. Melding Mage is a much better card as a generic card than Granite Magistrate. Lavinia as well. It, it's better in most match in more matchups. It's if you stack it up against Tron, you can just think you in an Oblivion Stone and win, or you can do a lot of stuff with meddling. Temu um, Rhinos it's a really play deck that features ten shock effects: Fire Eyes, the one mana shock, and four Bone Crusher Giants. Rand- the one mana shock is a uh, dead guy. Exactly. Rand Magistrate yeah. has three Daphnes. <laughs> and that's the only reason you play that over meddling mage because it wins so the only the way they can get it down is fury usually yeah but, or two for one in themselves with four right. or five mana yeah. and then you can just protect it with one of your protection effects like I had scenarios where my opponent had to go like I go to turn three Dranith he goes on his turn I he says land go I play the I just attack go on his turn he has to go prismatic command fire and ice kills it and when he plays the Cascade effect, I brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> and my opponent snaps oh, on six, steals out of the game. it's too good. It's too good. And All right. it's the really so, small differences. Like, that's yeah. that's what makes like the deck so hard. If I was playing this deck a month ago, I would 100% be playing Meddling Mage. And I would lose that game every single time. And just a small difference in one specific bullet that has the same, like, it's a bullet against that matchup. Just because of how the matchup is played, the one toughness makes it stupidly better. Like, if the whole meta was playing Rhinos, I would be playing <laughs> Pauper Staple Stonehorn Dignitary again. Yeah, yeah. Because you can just... Stonehorn Dignitary makes your opponent skip their combat. And phase. it stacks. And a lot of games, you just go on, like, turn 3 Recruiter... Get Soul Herder, turn 4, Soul Herder, and, and blink the recruiter and get the, and get the Rhino and win. Your opponent's locked out of the yeah. game if he doesn't have removals. Soul Herder plus Rhino is a hard lock against Hammer. So That's brutal. It's just one game awesome. that way. And having and those bullets he, is the here's, difference. Here, Alright, so here's your curveball matchup in a bit of a way. 
which is blue-white control. What can you recruiter for against blue-white control? Recruiter. Recruiter for recruiter? And then you're rec- a madman. So a lot of the times you just go recruiter for recruiter, and the time you're sure, a lot of the time your opponent will let the tutoring result and counter what you get. And when you know that's supposed to happen, you get dusky. Right. And Bayal is extremely important in these sort of decks to gain you back the tempo you're losing from playing a 3-mana 1-1 that draws a 3-mana 1-1. Yeah, yeah, and and that's hard to hold on to with uh, with uh, prismatic ending, but exactly. they also have other cards that don't line up well against exactly. you. So it will happen. Uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely an interesting uh, interesting match. It's a really that, nice matchup. Those are all the decks. Those are all the decks right now that I consider top tier. Um, that you have a very clear thing to get. Uh, the other the other maybe uh annoying one would be what about blue black mill what's your plan oh i play one endurance main deck or sideboard so you only all you have to do is get a pile on three have the witness in your hand and wait for them to mill the endurance mm. and you just hold and you hold and you hold and the moment they try to remove endurance you get it back and evoke it and they can see right right so you play to that, you play to your Endurance, which is, if they play Extirpate, you just try to run them because you have 80 cards. So it's like starting with 26 life against Burn. It's a huge difference. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that sounds nice. I like having that many life points against Burn. It's great. It, makes me, it makes me think of Uro. Oh, oh, Udo. Oh, I miss you, Uro. We miss you, Udo. Or baby Udo. Oh. So with Antoine, we have this huge Mox Vile Drive which features over 120 creatures. 162 creatures, which is our, the creatures our deck can't play. Wow. And we just have this ready. Like, it features not only the recruiter targets, but also playable elementary targets. Like, when it was filled with food, we were playing Yasharn in Placable Earth. Mm-hmm. If when we... Which denies anyone from sacrificing anything as part of a cost, which, as more enigmatic could I say, cool the car wants to do. Exactly. He loved playing, for example, Miran Crusader against some metas. I was play. I did play a lot of what's the name of this card that sucks. Oh, I always want to make an Anathimancer work, and I can't because it's really bad. But I love Anathimancer. Anathimancer. And it's um, price of progress, right? They take one damage for each non-basic they have. And it has seven mana unearth. And if you unearth it, you can ephemerate it, right? Yes. And then it'll stick around? Yes. Yeah. So So you can do some mean, mean, awful things to them. Yeah. But that's what you tend to go for. But a lot of the times, the importance of this deck is adaptability. Sometimes you just get a traveling inspector because you need two bodies on the board. Sometimes you just get... Any white card because, like, a lot of the time you will go recruiter for a red spell because you have a fury you want to cast and you want to need something to pitch, and you get a 1 1 in the process. Like, the adaptability of the card is what makes the card. There's a reason Militia Boogler has a lot better stats and a really similar effect, but not the same consistency. And one is played and the other is unplayable. Like, if you have perfect luck, Militia Boogler is a straight up, is like 100% better. But it doesn't have the consistency. But I played against a humans player today who wasn't playing any non-human creatures that I could see, and they missed with their militia bugler. Exactly. Well, because you have to play at least you have to play about twenty lands before aether vials. That's <laughs> so not a small number. That lack of consistency will make a three mana one one playable, knowing you will get what you want to get. 
and that's crazy. That's the weird part about magic. Stuff that at simple side you say, you're playing in such a high power format as modern and you spend turn 3 doing nothing. Yeah, but on turn 4 I play Collector Roof against Affinity. Every game. How, how, what, what percentage of the time? About 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. Like, if I want, like, if, I, yeah. if you ask me what percentage of the time I'm casting a creature I want by turn 4, if it's too trouble by both Elam and, and, and Recruit, I'm saying 85% of the time I will get my creature by turn 4. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I mean, to be, to be, to give credit to the people who love their collected companies and stuff, it's a balance. Because Imperial Recruiter is, you know, distinctly lower power than something like that. But it has a hundred percent hit rate. So yeah, you know what you know, you're going to pick, get. Pick your poison. Yeah, and, pick I, your and poison. I love and collected I, company. It's a card I love. I hate collected company. Like my first, my first deck I love was an absent company deck with four flicker with mm. four, four wasteland strangler. And that synergy is a synergy I can't stop loving. Eldrazi and Taxes? It was like a company version of that. You play like four schooler, four strangler, yeah. four company, six dorks. For Night of the Reliquary and a lands package, and you even play the Green Hideaway land, which is terrible. Yep. So, uh, a lot of the cards that uh, Mord covered there, and I, I wanted to specifically focus on Imperial Recruiter because Elid Armory's Call gets any creature, yeah, it's, um, it's, which is a lot more flexible. Exactly. And we, we, we did hit the two staples that I would say Mord fetches with that card more often, which is Solitude. And Fury, it's a I know dance. you're a fan of Omnath as well. Yeah, the four cards you can get with the Landlist are ironically four elementals, which are Endurance, Omnath, <laughs> Solitude, Fury. Because they escape the enigmatic, they have two capabilities. First one, they're tempo positive, even with a tutor. Because, right, because you can pitch for them? You can pitch for them. And Omnath is Omnath. I don't need further. I won't, I won't go further with that topic. Omnath is Omnath. <laughs> You can face it, you know and how I, devastating so, it is. So, so you hate free spells, but you are propping up no, these free spells no, in your deck, no. my friend. And my question I is, hate, are I you hate, a hypocrite and how much do you hate yourself? I hate free free spells. I don't hate force of negation and I don't hate force of will. Right. I hate my... Because they're card disadvantage? Yeah, it has to have a drawback to play a free spell. So you don't think cascade spells have a drawback? I don't think I hate wrong. I don't hate Cassade. I hate Bishop Owl. Okay. <laughs> so it's Brutal. just the super low-powered card that is Mishra's Bob. I hate Mishra Owl and I hate Panamorphos. I have no problem with Cascade spells. Alright. All right. I have a really exactly. specific so hate. You, you don't like cards that are free on mana and card neutral. Exactly. Because it only okay. because it generates non-games when they stack up. Like, how many times have you won if your opponent went turn to the four Manamorphoses? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever win that, that game? That is... or yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. How many times have you won when your opponent has gone turn to four Mishra's baubles? Because... I have lost a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's, I... Yeah, that's that's. Brian, I lost yesterday to my opponent going turn one Darcy triple Mishra bubble turn two multi six six and a three three Delver. And how but do you is beat the that? problem there the bobble was the bobble the problem? The, if you want not in that case it was Darcy. And in the Lurus case, it's Lurus, and in the Ursa Saga deck, it's the Ursa Saga, so either you ban half of Modern, or you ban the Mishra Bubble. It's the same as saying, no, the problem was not Kogak, it was Lurin. 
Or the same. Well, and, and in, in many cases, it's, well, it's not the card, it's the lands. I mean, if you couldn't cast the card, yeah, exactly. the, like, the card wouldn't be broken. I, I'm not, Mirror is a really low power card that enables a lot of really high power cards. Yeah. So, well, it's true. Well, we, yeah. could, we could get into a whole discussion about that. Yeah. But, um, so, <laughs> he's going to so, protect um, the Mishra, and so, I'm going to hate on the Mishra. No, you you can hate on it all you want. That's fine. I just uh, I love Emery and Mistress Bobble is one of the things that uh, ups yeah, the power that, of level of Emery. And Emery is a low power level card, and when you play it on turn one because you could and you get blown out, it's awful. But I don't hate Whereas that. if you play Dragon's Rage Chandler into Bobble on turn one, you get blown out. You go eh. I got a free surveil. You got more than one for one out of that spot. You got. Right, twenty percent mana will defeat. Like you got right. That's, that's, and that's, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. That's why I'm not really de defending Bobble. I just like it in my terrible deck. No, no. Where, but where I mean, it's very with Emery, it's play fine play. because Emery has to adapt. Emery has to. Survive. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's a different context. Um, so uh, traverse, traverse the Ulvenwald is a card that is more popular now than it's been in a long time. Um, and I did want to bring up uh, just uh, one list, which I have now misplaced because I was looking it up as I I think was you must talking. have left it back in 2017, maybe 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Where it belongs. But, um... uh, no, hold on. I had Stream Decker up somewhere. Um, but basically, in the Naya lists in the challenge, they would get a lot of the hate pieces you were talking about out of their sideboards. Yeah. Um, such as uh, Dranith Magistrate. Um, Hushbringer is one and a white for a 1-2 flying lifelink creature fairy. And it says creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. So this is both Torpor Orb uh, and Torpor Death Orb. I don't know if that card exists. No, there doesn't um, any specific card. I think there's one with that effect, but not a playable one. Mm. But more importantly, um, Hush Hushbringer is not really for that half. It's it's for the ETB half. So um, Hushbringer and Torpor are popular sideboard cards right now because all of the Evoke Elementals from yeah. Modern Horizons 2 uh, get severely hosed by that, um, as well as a few other things. Um, and then uh, some, I saw one list that was playing Gadok Teague. Um, and then the green-red Delirium deck, aha, I have it here, uh, was using a Bone Crusher Giant, which is a fetchable shock. Yeah. So it's a creature you can get that is a shock, much like you have a uh, Giant Killer, which is a fetchable card that is a, uh, uh, a strike down. I don't know what the white card is that's destroyed target creature with power four or greater, but I know it exists uh, multiple times. It's three mana one one. It's, it's a it's paladin. A... It's really bad, and it taps down for that. No, no, no. no. It, there's, there's like no. There's like a limited staple. Oh. There's like a limited staple card that's like a three mana sorcery that's like destroy target creature with power. There's a paladin anyway. that down to do that. I'm sure there is too. <laughs> um, Endurance is in the red green delirium deck. Uh, hates against opposing graveyard decks. It's also just a three four reach, hmm. which is yeah. huge. Um, Flash. Red decks. Red. Th th let me tell you about the secret creature. Red decks hate it. Um, then we've got uh, Clothis, also hated by Red decks, but Clothis is a light amount of Greyyard hate, as well as life gain and uh, damage to your opponent. Uh, Season Pyromancer is just one of the best late-game grind cards that you could have in a lot of matchups. Yeah. Uh, Tireless Tracker, similar. 
uh, and then Fury. They're playing in this one. And then I have seen other versions. Because it's an Urza Saga deck, they can get the Zurin Orb. Zurin Orb is a zero mana artifact that sacrifices lands to gain two life for free. Like, it's literally no mana cost. And you play that with Titania, Protector of Argoth, new to modern, since uh, Modern Horizon is two, which is a five mana... 5-3 that whenever a land's put into your graveyard, uh, you get a 5-3 elemental, which is super nutty late-game Splinter Twin combo. It, it's like 30 power at instant speed on your opponent's hand step. It tends to win sure the game. Sure is. Yeah, it's, it's pretty alright. <laughs> pretty decent when it comes to either. So I think Traverse is like the most efficient tutor mana-wise, but has the severe mm -hmm. drawback of risking being useless. Yeah. So, but um, one of the upsides you can see of these decks is they actually build with the consideration of it being in its honest mode, because I think we can all agree at this point that it's been kind of decided that most successful Urza Sagas decks, if they're playing colored spells, so not Etron, not not Colorless Prison, are going to play twenty three or twenty four lands. Yes, yeah, so successful. Right, yep. and the successful Traverse lists are getting away with playing 21. And the reason why is Traverse gets to basically be an enter-the-battlefield tap land in the early game. Yeah. Which, which is good enough uh, right now for these decks in the metagame we're in right now. It's a great card, Traverse. It's a great card until mm. you get blown up by, like, your opponent flashing in an endurance in response, and your fury becomes a basic land. Yeah, which 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 is why uh, the traverse versions of these decks are less successful in the higher level of competition yeah. than the uh, the non-traverse because I think the graveyard's just being attacked a little bit too much right now for this kind of stuff to be viable on the on the upper levels of competitive play. But it's still a powerful thing, and we may get to a place where that is something worth tapping into again. Um, so we've touched on. Uh, the Amulet Titan deck, and I think we we don't need to go too in depth with that deck. If you've been around Modern long enough, uh, you know that you know deck reasonably well from being killed by it. Uh, and there are tons of Titan experts are out there. I think there's even a podcast that's just called Titan Talk. Yeah, um, I think it's like that House of Mana, Monet's Fran, jo Jose Monet, Jose Moniz, Fran, and Fran, and House of Fun, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. There's three Titan experts, so um, they would be great to talk about, or to go listen to talk about that. Um, the Teleria West um, being a split tutor for lands and zero mana artifacts and zero mana spells is one of the wackiest things that exists in all of Modern. Um, back in the day, they used to get uh, Force of the, or, uh, Pact of Negation with it to crush you from interacting with them on their combo turn. It was... It was a wild time. Uh, this was all before uh, Dry of the Elysian Groves came out and ruined Titan hmm. being complex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, how I hear people talk about Legacy Doomsday. It's like, oh, Legacy Doomsday was this crazy mad scientist deck until they printed that. Yeah, and now Dry made the same for Titan. Just them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like almost anyone can play it now pretty reasonably. Um uh, we did touch on Enigmatic Incarnation. That fetches out a lot of the same creatures we were talking about. Um, Brings Light, though, is uh, something we should we should touch on a little bit because uh, Niv to Light is one of the premier decks that uh, exploits the Bring to Light card. Uh, but there's also five color or four color Scapeshift. So, yeah. 
Um, and so it's a five mana sorcery, three green blue with the converge mechanic. And uh, what this means is for each color that you pay into this card, you get a, a resulting effect. Um, in this case, it's you get to search your library for a creature, instant, or sorcery. So it's a very strange group yeah. of cards. Creature, instant, sorcery. Not Planeswalker, not Enchantment. Um, and you get to play that card for free. Um, and it's based on the number of colors you play, so it's up to a maximum of five. So, so if you play all five colors for Bring to Light, you can get Nimizit Reborn. <laughs> Bring to Light has the really specific thing, and I think it's the only tutor in the game that's mana neutral. It's the only tutor that can get you what you want without costing you mana. If you're looking for right. a five, uh, but if if you're playing all five colors and what you want is a yes, five, yes, but or yeah. if you're getting bulky, which is which is worth seven mana, which which is a seven drop, <laughs> but it's a five drop. Like bulky as a planeswalker would cost five. To be a gold machine, yeah, the gathering card, it would cost five mana. So Ranger Light features that really specific characteristic that you can tutor for a three drop if it will win you the game. If you're going to win the game with a Rumble to Dust, it gets a Rumble to Dust. Mm -hmm. But if not, it's a 5-mana five 5-drop. Five it's the only tutor that allows you to be tempo-positive, tempo-neutral, or just get your real mm -hmm. silver bullet. And that's what shines out for you like. Of course, as yeah. uh, similar to Traverse, it has a downside of have requiring 5 colors or requiring the Delium to not be like... to draft 2-drops. <laughs> Yeah. And so the the, B, the BTL Scapeshift deck and Niv Delight in uh, in the same way are both vulnerable to having their mana attacked, um, specifically by Blood Moon, especially without Arkham's Astrolabe around. Um, right. Although the, the five-color Scapeshift deck does play Dryad of the Elysian Groves, which can help them out a lot. Um, but on the flip side, these are incredibly powerful tutors because I, I can't think of a tutor that is both an immediate kill and a wrath of god and a surgical extraction and, and it, it, it's, it can do almost anything i mean it's crazy yeah and that's the power of range light it's the most versatile yeah. tempo neutral tutor in the game with the drawback yeah. of a being a five drop yeah and B, which is a lot for modern. Yeah, it's hard to find good five drops in modern that you want to be playing because it's tempo neutral, but it's tempo neutral as a five drop. Are you telling me Tolsvier friend to wolves is not a playable modern I'm card? I'm saying Lordhold <laughs> Command is a straight upgrade over Tolsvier, and you have no idea what what Lordhold Command does. Oh yes, I do. Oh, you're gonna come at me? I'm gonna come you at you. You can make a three-two spirit. You can lightning helix. You can give all your creatures plus one, plus O oh, and haste. And I can't remember the last mode, but I want to say it's like destroy target enchantment. I can't. If, if you don't say the last but mode. But I know it's an instant. If you don't say the last mode, suck. I think it's an instant. It might not be an instant. It's an instant. Also gives your creatures okay. indestructible. Okay. Any player can gain That's the life fair. of the headaches. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, because they can't blow you out with the target. Yes. And sacrifice yeah. a permanent draw two cards. Ah, right, right, right. That makes sense. So, strictly better than... Anyway. <laughs> strictly better than Well, no, it doesn't give you six power. It gives you three and can go face and make your creatures uninstructed. Yeah, but come and on. And can draw you cards. Six power. Give me the... Tulsimir, the amount of times I have played Tulsimir, and in response to the, <laughs> inter the, to the wolf entering, yeah, they yes, wanted my yeah, Tulsimir yes. and I have cried. Yeah. Makes it so I hate Tulsimir. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Huntmaster of the Fells is still one of those things which is just like, uh, it's not quite good enough. It's so close. You are playing Bianchia, yeah. and Huntmaster is better than Bianchia. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, but, but Bring to Light can, and I have, when I was playing Nip to Light, I have gotten Kaya's Guile with it at instant speed to blow people out a, a couple lot. times. That was nuts. You get a lot of yeah. weird cards with Bring to Light. They have one in Kaya's Guile. You yeah. get a lot of Helixes to close the game. Yep, yep. You get Lightning Helix with it. So, uh, I mean, if you go through the average uh, Niv to Light deck, you can find a lot of sweet cards. Um, the Scape Shift decks usually just use it for, I would say, about three really important cards. And that's Scape Shift, which, you know, will win you the game on the spot. If you have about seven lands, you can do about 18 damage to your opponent. Um, if you need to, you can get Supreme Verdict to Wrath. And if you need to, uh, you can get... I know I had a fourth one. It wasn't Omnath, but Omnath Valky. is a good fourth one. Uh, Valky, there you go. That's the other super powerful play. Because Valky, unlike Niv-Mizzet Reborn... And I love Niv-Mizzet Reborn, but Valky coming into play immediately removes a creature or artifact in opponent controls, which sometimes is just better than drawing X number of cards yeah. and putting a creature into play, because creature removal is easy. Planeswalker <laughs> removal is sometimes very difficult. Yes. Um, so Bring to Light has that advantage. Tempo Neutrality in a Tutor is something precious, and it's the only one that does yeah. that in order. And then you have crazy people like Davius Minimus who use it to get it to Jiki. Do you know what Davius Minimus has been working on for the last few weeks? He's trying... I mean, I ran into him in a queue. He no, no, playing, no. Uh, you saw him playing a good deck. That. He's okay. trying to make Hero Skull or whatever the name of the three banner green, green, white, or white, white, green card that tutors three creatures to the top of your deck. Oh, uh, it's from the original Ravnica. Yes. And he, yeah. And he just wants to make, like, Labrador, Shalization, Medlic, Mage, Bios. <laughs> That's a choice. <laughs> David Minimus makes choices. He the man. He the greatest That's, man. He talked to me today. We were talking about... Uh, we've actually... He, he started checking through the Nimbus' Discord, and he realized he threw the beach of Animatic Incarnation in November last year. Oh wow, it's almost a year for yeah for Enigmatic. Since then. we started, was, wasn't that wasn't that about when Pioneer got started? Yeah, and Kak, K H A K, I have also known as Noah if I'm not mistaken. Actually, was the one that. Got into our Discord, loved the idea, and said, Hey, this guy, have you done anything for a pioneer? And we talked about that really basic brew I had made, and he just made the deck amazing. Like, he's the face behind the pioneer version. There you go. And it's... Um, Brian, I know you are a huge fan of uh, War of Invention, uh, and I know we've talked about some tutor targets for Urza Saga, some of which overlap. Um, oh, we never mentioned Graph Digger's Cage, so now is a good time to. Graph Digger's Cage is great. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> don't forget about it. It's also Graph Digger's Cage. It's amazing get, yours against, today. get yours today. It's amazing against Yolmoth, that won today's challenge. So get your Graph Digger's Cage. There you go. So the Sunday challenge was won by uh, Abzan Yogmoth. No, uh, no, The no. guy came into my chat this evening. It was Was that Colgari. predicted? It was what? It was Colgari. Oh, Golgari, sure. It sure, didn't sure. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought he said no, it. No, no, it was not predicted. It was Javi 880, I think, or something pretty similar. It's a new player, okay. first yeah. challenge he has won, so congrats to him. And he uh, said that his deck had some budget concerns in the sideboard, too. Yeah. So, like, another, just a great example of someone who just, you know, 
got a little lucky, played a little great, and uh, some of their card selection wasn't optimal in their own eyes, and uh, they won a whole challenge. So kudos to them. But um, so yeah, Graft Diggers cages, get them. Uh, but uh, what what are some other great were targets from uh, modern history besides Graft Diggers cage? Uh, clearly the greatest of them all. Uh, so I am a big fan of Ensnaring Bridge. I never leave home without the Ensnaring Bridge. Um, other than I do that, love my Ensnaring Bridge. Uh, we have covered a great deal of the big hits. Um, Wurza, of course, is looking to find the Thopter Foundry or the, the Sword of the Meek so that they can combo off. Um, outside of that, I mean... It, you know, I think it goes back to what Mord was saying earlier. It really depends on the context of the meta and, and the way that you're building the rest of the deck. Um, you know, I, I think all of the, the one drops and the zero drops that we mentioned earlier and Ensnaring Bridge are probably the big ones. Um, and then the rest of it is, is pretty uh, deck dependent. So you're saying you don't always want a bottled cloister? Not always, no. But if you're playing something <laughs> like uh, Were Prison, which was really popular back when Susurus was on the scene, and I believe he is actually back now, which is exciting he is. to hear. Uh, he popularized a deck called Were Prison that was running for Were of Invention and then a bunch of these artifact silver bullets. So he would have multiple copies of Ensnaring Bridge, you know, multiple Pithing Needles, things like that. Um, usually. Crucible of Worlds. Yep, something like a Narset. Um, yep. And then he would use Bottled Cloister to make sure his hand was empty so that the opponent would never get an attack step. Um, and other things, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of wacky combos you can get into, uh, you know, Uba Mask or Possessed Portal <laughs> or, you know, there's all sorts of deep, deep cuts if you really want to get weird. Yep, yep. No, that's fair. It's because of people like Ryan that any cyber deck of mine has to feature even Goblin Crater Maker or Quasali Prime Mage <laughs> as proactive tutor targets to get off Torpor Orb. Yeah, Torpor Orb as a main deck card is really important for decks like that a lot of the time. Ryan is not uh, playing I know main a lot of them don't have room for it right now. Uh, Damping Sphere is another uh, good card since it came out in Dominaria. Yeah. Um, people often forget that it has two parts to it. Which is kind of funny. Yeah, there's Torpor Orb on screen now, uh, proudly displayed. Uh, and Damping Sphere. There it is, the good old wet ball. Um, the wet ball. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and occasionally Sorcerer's Spyglass. Um, sometimes you need one of those. Sorcerer's Spyglass is essentially the same as Pithing Needle, but you get to see your opponent's hand, um, which is really good against Planeswalkers, because that first activation is really annoying sometimes. And uh, you're not always able to whir in response. Yeah, you can go pro proactively. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a little bit easier to do proactively. Well, uh, and it also, so yeah. uh, if you are playing Chalice of the Void, often you are playing Chalice on one, and so this mm -hmm. circumvents the Chalice on one as well. Exactly. Um, speaking of which, you can whir for a Chalice on zero right now, which is very useful because uh, the Cascade decks get blocked by that. Uh, if not that, a Void Mirror. Although Void Mirror will counter all of the uh, free spell casts off your Urzas. So uh, be careful about that one. Um, and related to that one is something that I got into recently playing. And I know we played at least one version of Silver Gak, which I was a big fan of, which is, of course, Karn the Great Creator, which gets uh, artifacts from your sideboard. And the nice thing about that is, uh, since they're not in your deck, 
you usually see a lot more gratuitously expensive cards, like Possessed Portal, because you don't have to run the risk of drawing it, <laughs> which <Yep. laughs> can be less than fun. Um, so, you know, um, Card the Great Creator is an awesome example, and I really hope someday they bring the wishes to modern in some way or shape. Um, no. Also, maybe they could fix them. That would be great if they fixed them so you could wish for a wish again. Oh, um, that's another toolbox, new toolbox. Have you seen the Skyshift wish decks? Oh, uh, with glittering wish? No, 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 I haven't. no, 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 wish. Oh, 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 wish, wish, yeah, okay, so through, from um, AFR, yeah, from so Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, there is a new card yeah. called Wish. It's two and a red for a sorcery. And it says, until end of turn, you may play a card uh, from outside the game. So, and that includes lands. They do they do that for three things. First off, Skyshift needs yeah. seven lands. So Wish plus Skyshift is seven mana. So they play only right. one Skyshift main deck and one of the Saber and four Wish main deck. No, I saw one that played zero Skyshift yeah. main. Zero. Secondly, they play a Cavern of Souls. They can get them turn four. They just Wish and they play Cavern yeah. and that resolves the Titan. And thirdly, yeah. they get Dryad, and they feature Kalis of the Void, Tormod's Crypt, as 3 mana, get a Kalis on 0, or a Torpor or a Torpor or such on turn 3. With an, or turn 2 if they had a 1 mana ramp. It's a beautiful idea. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Yeah, no, so uh, the Wish deck, uh, I saw Cedric Phillips playing some version of Red Green Titan Shift with Wish, um, and that was in the 5-0 dump, so that was pretty cool. And I know that wasn't exactly the version he played in the challenge on uh, the weekend. On Saturday, he made like 27th, 25th, 26th place in the challenge, and uh, that deck was a bit different. But yeah, Wish uh, starting to pop up in more places than just Gift Storm, which is kind of cool. <laughs> oh, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Twiddle Storm. Twiddlestorm and Giftstorm were the two decks I saw that in um, previous to now, but uh, other people are getting their getting their fingers wet, getting their toes wet, getting their tutors wet. I don't know. I don't know why you want a wet tutor. Uh, <laughs> maybe for swimming. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, Mord. Um, so, with everything we've covered so far in whatever level of depth, uh, I think a good last point to touch on is, Brian, you've made some discoveries about Profane Tutor. So Profane Tutor, for those who don't remember, is from Modern Horizons 2. It has no mana cost and has a suspend cost of one and a black. And it takes two turns. It sits in suspend and then it's going to come in and tutor for you. And it's been a kind of staple of uh, Ad Nauseum. And then you've tried it in some other places. Uh, well, I haven't actually had an opportunity to play it, oh. um, so I have been sticking to... Well, okay, that's not entirely true. I've put it into some bad decks to try and understand mm -hmm. it and get a feel mm -hmm. for it. Uh, so I have primarily been playing it with things like Electro-Dominance, trying to be able to cast it from hand, um, just getting weird with it. The reason that I came onto it was both because I had seen uh, First Turn Negator um, in oh, the Faithless... Grixicism, uh, yep. um, talking about how he has liked it in some of his control lists. Uh, and then, you know, Cave Dan seems fond of it and has mm -hmm. mentioned his fondness on Faithless Brewing. And so um, I have been playing an Esper Wurza shell in paper, um, and I have been feeling the lack of Goblin Engineer. Uh, Goblin Engineer for that deck, for, for the Wurza deck in, in particular, is just an amazing card because it does exactly what you want. It will tutor the Sword of the Meek to the graveyard, which is where you want it. 
Um, and so without that, I have my three wares, and I'm sort of left to my own devices, you know, if I need additional tutors. I uh, figured, well, why not uh, Profane Tutor? Give it a try. So I have uh, rebuilt my deck here, and I am planning to play that tomorrow night. Um, but my thought is, you know, it can grab Urza on turn four, which is exactly when you want Urza. If you've got the other two, you know, combo pieces or whatever, uh, it can grab you anything you're missing. It can grab you all the same silver bullets as were. Um, I don't know. I I was playing bad decks. They were exploratory. Essential um, But I did not. I did not feel the power. Um, you know, I think that part of this is making sure that you have the right breadth of tutor targets available. And because Profane Tutor will get you anything in your deck, it really, it's almost like um, I ended up underdoing it because the possibilities were limitless. And that sounds really weird, but I kept my tutor packages small, and I think that that hurt me because I didn't have the silver bullets when I needed them. So... I don't think that that's incorrect, though, because I think the places where it's been the most successful, um, you would say, are Ad Nauseam. Like, it's always and, the same. Right, and Reanimator. Because um, both of those are AB combo decks, and so what you do is you just lob this Profane Tutor out into the air on turn two, hopefully. Uh, to draw and on turn four, you catch it and you land, because... As much as Unmarked Grave, which is from Modern Horizons 2, one in a black sorcery, search your library for a non-legendary card and put it in your graveyard. So, Entomb in Legacy is a black instant that puts any card into your graveyard immediately. Okay. Entomb gets a little bit more use as a tutor card than Unmarked Grave does, for a whole bunch of reasons. But in Modern, Unmarked Grave basically gets Archon of Cruelty in Game 1. You could get other things, but nobody plays the other no, things. No, yeah. And the they, reason they why... Uh, sometimes they play Sarah's Emissary. No, no, no. The main I'm not going for another they creature. They play the... Oh, oh. Uh, 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 the, yeah. And that's... Unburial. So we can get right. you the thing you want to reanimate. True, or true, true. Deck. Right. So, but the point is, they're getting either the A or the B. Yes. They're either getting the big fatty to reanimate, or they're getting the reanimation spell. And so Profane Tutor, the nice thing about it, is the same as Ad Nauseam, is you put it out there, and then you have a couple of turns in between to try to find the one of your pieces. Maybe you know what you need when you play it, but by the time it comes off suspend, it's free, and it fixes whichever half you didn't have on the exact turn that you can easily take advantage of that, hopefully. Um, so that is something that Profane Tutor gets to do that uh, is unique about it. And so that's why I think having a slim package of silver bullets or just a deck with a very powerful AB combo is actually probably where you want to be. So I think it might actually have a little bit of legs in uh, in Esper Wursa, as long as the rest of your deck is all able to keep you alive and, uh, and kicking. Yeah, it yeah, has exactly. been. I, that was actually what I've found the past couple weeks playing it is I can go toe-to-toe with any of the mid-range grindy piles. That's not a problem. Mm. You know, it just keeps going. But sometimes you just want to end the game. And I think right. I went to, like, turn 15 one time just trying to draw towards Urza. <laughs> you know, yeah, both yeah. of us were sort of at this stalemate. And yeah, it's but like, if I can just get the Urza or I can just get the, you know, the Sword of the Meek or whatever. Artifacts have been at the place, like I was talking about a few minutes ago, having asked for a long while at the place where you're 
silver bullets will lock the game and you have you will reach a point where you have won the game and you know that your opponent doesn't yet or he isn't right. willing to admit it and you're just going like this is what I was talking about you the other day like maybe you don't need the combo you're comboing after your opponent slowed out of the game as the fastest way to win once you have already won but right. a one one flyer and blockable would also win the game and I mean that's that is exactly how this has panned out. I have gone undefeated with this deck so far. So, but nice. it would be nice to speed up that instead of you know having things dragged time and round or make people suffer. You know what? Yeah. Sometimes that's just gotta be that's just gotta be the way it is. I mean, and and we've seen this through the history of Magic is that sometimes there's there's points where you see these control decks or what eventually evolve into prison decks where they will have all these compromises where they're like, well, what if I need to win? like in a more proactive way and the, yeah. you'll often see the best players just keep pulling those out until they have basically none and so you end up with a deck like blue white control they, that has basically no win conditions except for the two teferis do you remember the right? standard one that had literally zero yes. win conditions like it just yes. doesn't yes. heal because of five mana death and it was it's only work yep. and they had to change the looping rules because in the mirror match the old looping rules didn't properly work with each player has a Teferi 5 and all they're doing is casting it and then tucking it. And you couldn't define that as a loop. So one player had to lose. So um, oh. Whereas with the new looping rules, it's now a proper loop and it's a draw. So, um, Profane Tutor. Uh, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, a reasonable card for AB combo decks yeah. that does allow you to have a few... Uh, flex slots for outs, but generally seems to be defined by decks that are trying to be very, very linear. And and as we noted before, um, anything that's like an instant or sorcery that puts a card in your hand, so you're gaining no tempo off these cards. These cards are usually only good for linear decks in modern. Um, yeah. And in general, because you need extra value to make these cards worthwhile. Um, Eladomri's call is flexible enough that it gets away with it. It's it's one of the only tutors that's like an instant. Yeah, even that's though it doesn't makes, put the card into that's play. That's what makes it good. It's it being an instant. Right. It's the only good right. advantage. Right. Yeah, but almost all the other ones put stuff directly into play. Uh, that the the instant speed was part of the reason I was trying to utilize yeah. electro dominance specifically so that <laughs> right. I could instant speed tutor with profane. Right. And then um, on the on the flip side, what it gives you in return. So either it's instant and it gives you something right into play, or in the case of Recruiter, you get a body and you can interact with that body, and that's exactly. a big deal. That's why I love that's why I love creatures with ETBs so much. Snapcaster Mage is my favorite card of all time, and it's because it is so many things. It's Demonic Tutor in the late game, it's Ambush Viper in the early game, and you can interact with it by bouncing it. Well, I think it's my sweet. favorite creature has to be top three creatures, Knights of the Reliquary, because it's a creature, mm. it's a beat body, and it's a tutor. It does everything in such a beautiful package that self-enables. And I love Nightfall. Yeah, Nightfall is... Nightfall was a beautiful deck. Retreat Coral, for anyone who doesn't know, Retreat Coralheim, Knight of the Reliquary, if the deck featured enough forest and planes, was a one-card combo, a two-card combo that made that 20-20 and gave it pro one color with Seheri's deep, to attack for lethal. Ah, There you go. And Brian, do you have a favorite creature? Oof, favorite creature. 
I mean, other than oh, Urza. Man. That was that was actually that was oof. Ursa, Emery, Ursa, Ursa, Emery. No, I, Emery is just a constant disappointment. I mean, she's wonderful, but she's a constant. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I love Emery so much, except when I actually have to play it. <laughs> Theoretically, I love Emery. Actually, today, today the deck I was playing crushed with it. So maybe we found the way to do it. Just play four Spellskites. Uh, yeah, that that's one way to protect your Emery. Yeah, Spellskite, by the way, is a jam. I think uh, I think I want to try that in Wurza this week. It's yeah, it's a good addition. Also, if you want to get real spicy, Nurok Stealth Suit. <gasps> I know Nurok Stealth Suit. It gives I've... it. Is it get Shroud and unblockable? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shroud. Yeah. Just Shroud. Yeah. Pretty sure. Oh, just Shroud. It might. Be. Oh, I, okay. I remember. No, it has an ability. Like it, it attaches, right? Yeah, it attaches for blue blue. It's the blue part of the cranial plating cycle. Yep. And for anyone who's not aware, that was a cycle. What's the so rest? They could all attach at instant speed for color color. The, uh, the healer's headdress gives plus O plus three and tap game two life. Why that's why it always suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this blue one isn't good either. The fun thing with it is though, if you get an Urza down, yeah, and you get the construct down, the Nurox stealth suit and the construct tap to instant speed protect Urza from huh? removal. So right, right, that's exactly. beautiful. Does anyone remember we, when they were spoiling the cycle of like subtlety grief, and we were all like, we were all waiting for like the white one to gain three life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep up. And with. at first we all thought, oh my god, Fury is so bad. We were all sh like, I in my when I ordered that first, I got every single one of them right, but Fury. Like I said, Endurance would see the most play, then Solitude. Then I said the black one, and that's the blue one. And, pardon, for the blue one, and then Fury. And, and I was so wrong on Fury. <laughs> so, so yeah, wrong on Fury. It was, just, uh, it was just, just hard to evaluate. Because it was a sorcery, because it didn't have flash. And we thought the blue one was going to see some sort of play. And no. Just for mana. The red part of the cranial plating uh, cycle gives first strike. That's it. Nice. Nice. Two mana equipment, equips for one, or you can instant speed equip it for red red, and it gives first one. And the green one? And the green one gives plus one plus one and trample. That's not so bad. Cranial plating is so much better than all of them by such a also, ludicrous can margin. Can we talk about how ugly the gray mana symbols are? In mirroring the gray mana symbols on oh, the old cards. Yeah. yeah. No, the the colored mana symbols, but they're all in gray grayscale. Yeah. Oh, I like them. Well, you have lousy taste. <laughs> I mean, I, I played back then. That's all we had. Back in my day. Back in your uh, day. I, I mean, do you, do you, did you even notice the difference between the artifacts in Mirrodin and the artifacts in Darksteel and then afterwards? No. The artifacts in Mirrodin were lighter colored, and they look like kind of whitewashed. So I, I, they, they, they hadn't figured out that that color looks really similar to, to the new white. <laughs> yeah. It looks super similar to white, and in paper it was really obvious. Anyway, we are incredibly off topic. So yes. yes. So favorite uh, favorite creature ornithopter. Yeah. I'm gonna go with ornithopter okay. because it's okay. it's nostalgia. So, and it's infinite. It's it's infinite toughness to cast and cost ratio. There you go. Yeah. Or undefinable probably. Matt. I don't know. Matt. Infinite. Um. Yes. Yeah. Layers. It's just it's layers. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but um. So. 
Ge- so so tutor packages. So general thoughts. I mean, for me, I like playing with them. Um, I like the decks that have room for silver bullets and value plays and combos. Um, not always all three, but two or three is always fun. Um, uh, if you're always tutoring for the same thing, you know, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, I don't um, consider that. too a, much of a combo deck for me. I used to consider Primetime a toolbox deck when you played a Barista and a Hornet Queen. Right, and it was. And it was. Nowadays, I don't yeah. think Primetime is a toolbox deck. I think it's a combo it's, deck it's, it, with yeah. toolbox aspects. It's like a Gnosium. Right. But it's not a toolbox deck per se as it used to be. It used to be a really fun toolbox deck that you had to a lot of options, like Tolaria West for Marista was really common, and now really isn't. You should have two cards that are so much better than the rest. Yeah, yeah, Dryad and Titan have just totally, yeah. totally taken over. And then occasionally the Azusa. Right, but in their land package and their zero drop spell package, they have a little bit, but usually that only comes after the Titan. So it's like, you know, they already got their combo going by the time they're using the the tutor package. Um, but uh, you know, Wurza is a, a standout that is still playable, still has room for flex, and then of course all of Mord's Imperial Recruiter and Enigmatic lists, of which both recently exist with a, a five O appearance. So if people check out the modern 5.0 dumps, the best place to do so is, of course, on mtggoldfish.com. Not that we're sponsored, but uh, I think it's it's just the most concise way to look these up. Hashtag looking uh, you for can find the modern... Well, I'm not looking for sponsor. I'm just saying I think they really are the best. Yeah. Like, Wizards, Wizards site is bad and hard to search. Uh, yep. MTG Goldfish is... You, you can search it. That's a big upgrade. Um, so, yeah. We've covered a lot of, a lot of stuff, Brian. Uh, yeah. I told you, if you, don't stop, if you didn't stop me from saying random stuff, I would continue talking. This is your mistake, guys. I warned you about Oh, this. you say mistake, I say uh, content. content piñata. <laughs> yeah. You, sh- you just, like, poke me and say, hey, recruiter, and I just start spewing stuff. And, you know, with all of these things, uh, we, there are plenty of decks we didn't really touch on in depth. Uh, I know Brian plays Black Green Yogmoth. Um, that deck is a more linear version of these things, but it, occasionally it does uh, feature toolbox bits, and there's plenty of them out there. So, yeah. uh, you know, if we if if you felt like we ignored, maligned, or disserviced your your uh, toolbox deck, it is only because we are only human and we only have so much time yeah. to talk about all these things. But of course, you can message us on uh, on Serum Visions on Twitter and email us and et cetera, et cetera. Or join so our Discord. Do. Yeah, and join our Discord. It's totally free, and there will be a link in uh, the description uh, in your podcast player of this. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitch at Mana Symbol, and I always have a link for the Discord there if you hit exclamation point Discord uh, or exclamation point SVP. Awesome. So uh, every week, you know, every time we, we record these episodes, and I always forget what happens at the end. Well... It's time for Bumps and Dumps, baby! And, uh, Brian, last time, uh, you had a whole bunch of life stress going on, and I'd just like to say, have you had any bumps to go after that life stress? How's, how's, uh, how's, how's everything? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, 
No, you know, the life stress keeps on stressing, um, but I am going to, uh, I'm going to give a big bumps to Mord here for, uh, you know, helping pull our um, bacon off the frying pan. So, you know, I had mentioned that uh, Arun is on vacation, um, but I, you know, was preparing notes and whatnot and was planning for him to talk about his recent work. Uh, so it was a, a bit of a scramble at the last minute, and I'm I'm very thankful uh, and appreciative that Mord was able to come and join us because that made my job a lot easier. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, bumps to paper play. I'm really looking forward to getting out tomorrow night um, to play. Wasn't able to play for the la- like last weekend uh, at all. Um, mm-hmm. just sickness running around and whatnot, but everybody seems to be healed up now, so uh, it'll be good to get out of the house and uh, you know see some people again. <laughs> no, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity. If I had to say anything, like, I don't have that much to say. Well, is good there enough. anything in the magic community at large or in your own life that you uh, think is really great? Any of the Watsy announcements you want to rail against or just just anything? Okay. Just free vent time. What do you love? Uh, what do you hate? On, just go nuts. And the good thing, well, the reason I managed to get online and streaming again is because I finally was able to move. I was living like really far away from work, like in a place I didn't have internet connection mostly. That's why I didn't stream or anything. That's why I couldn't exist. <laughs> and I finally got to move this month. Like. I have a lot of things to solve, I'm still fix, fixing some stuff, and I finally got a, a place I can rent that's my own. And after that, some small stuff, if anyone is on the Twitter community, you should follow Hoth, Queen of Snow. She's a beacon of positivity. Yeah. Like, that, she's great. the most positive thing I have seen in Magic the Gathering in a long while. <laughs> and, about the, awesome. and about the other stuff, the, the Magic announcements, I am worried about the Lord of the Rings. But not as much as other people. I I think it can. The lore part doesn't doesn't hurt me. I think I don't care if it's Gandalf or Imperial recruiter and casting. The universe is sort of the same. The problem is it being a straight to bottom set could be worrisome and expensive, which expensive really hurts me because I still don't even own Imperial recruiter in paper. <laughs> so that's a bit scary for me. I still have to I'm not worried about that. the. I'm not worried about the power level of uh, of of the uh, Lord of the Rings set so much. If there's a few standout cards that are playable, that's fine. Like that's really not that's really not a problem for me. Yeah. Uh, my 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 problem is is all of the uh, and, and any non magic IP appearing in magic just just makes me upset. Yeah, I think Lord of I think Lord of the Rings is like the almost perfect exception because. If you change the names, the lore applies quite well. Right, and I totally agree with you, but that's the thing. If if you did the, uh, the yeah, magic version, I'd be happy. Exactly. I'm not happy seeing Gandalf actually, <laughs> and, Mer- and the One Ring actually, I know what you're and mean. you know uh, Sting, but you know actually, like these, these things drive me nuts. I, I didn't even like the Godzilla ones, so oh, wait, if I can just. If I can just dump on all of the extended universe, universe beyond stuff for a second, that that's that's just me covered for dumps for the foreseeable future of just I just don't want I just I didn't want the Godzilla cards in Magic. I don't want any well, of them. Uh, and and as I said in a recent tweet or tweet response or whatever you call it, 
It doesn't matter what my opinion is. Don't yeah. worry about it. If you don't agree with me, no, no. that's fine. Because I re- lost. Goldfish really said something interesting, not sponsored. Um, <laughs> we have already lost this battle of right. f- new franchises joining. We, what we yeah. have to hope for is like we prefer the secret layers like Fortnite over Lord of the Rings impacting more. We don't care if cards can be rescued. But like we already lost the battle of new IPs joining Magic. The only thing we can try and maybe solve the community is the method. Right. But the the, the matter about IPs is lost <laughs> by a long yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly, and they, they did do a good article on that. It was uh, it was like something about a, a different way to look at the secret layer announcement exactly. about Fortnite specifically. Yeah, um, they mentioned Fortnite. So pray to Fortnite, hate Lord of the Rings, got it. Right. Exactly. And 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 if, I mean, I, I just don't want to be a hypocrite about it. I mean, really, I'm just my, in my personal spot. I'm just like, I don't care how much I like any of these properties. I just don't want them in Magic. But it's too late now. Um, and bumps two and i gotta give them credit for this because one they did time Tower remastered they brought back the old border cards before we had time to breathe they put in old frame treatments of cards into modern horizons 2 fantastic they didn't do non-foil versions of the cards they got from mh1 okay that was shitty and stupid i don't know why that happened no, seriously, I can't fathom it. It doesn't make any sense. I can get old border ephemerates, but I can't get them non-foil? What choice is this? Okay, fine. Whatever. But then they did something I've been asking for for as long as I've been asking for old border cards almost, which is that they have one of their new secret lair drops that is going to be not only old frame planeswalkers, which I didn't ask yes, for, yes. but more importantly, yes. they gave them really goofy, like alpha, beta, unlimited style text. Yes. So it, it, it's like this card joins you and put five counters on it. This is their loyalty. And then it describes abilities and says something like, this ability removes three loyalty counters. It's not centered at all. Like the card text is just one continuous oh, sentence. It's Like it's broken up by periods, but the abilities aren't separated. No. It's just yeah. one brick of text. And so where each ability stops and starts is totally random within the lines. Um, the Karn, so it's Teferi Time Raveler, Karn the Great Creator, and Dak Faden. Um, it's only trio. available in non-foil. I mean, like, this whole thing is just like, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And now, someday, I want them to do the same for Snapcaster Mage. I know it's a big ask for a very specific card, but I just, I want a Snapcaster Mage that says, this card may be played as an instant. <laughs> like, that, I just, oh. Better oh, yet, just as an interrupt. <laughs> I don't even know if that's how that would work. I don't know how batches work. I uh, I may not be uh, a zoomer, but I'm not that much of a boomer to actually have any fathoming of how batches work. But before we had the stack, uh, we had batches, Wait, what? and nobody knows how those Wait, work. What? Yeah, before yeah. it was an instant, it was an interrupt. Wait. So there was, there the was a sis- So before the stack. Before the 6th edition rules changed, which changed most of the way magic rules work to how you know it now. I think it introduced the layers. Like, I don't think the layers worked the way they do now, back then. But more importantly, um, there were things called batches. And so before the stack, there were batches, and I don't know how they worked. It was um, a giant I do know. 
Yeah, there, there was, there's, 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 it was a rat's maze that yeah. they did in the Duelist. You can look it up. Uh, if you look up, like, MTG Batches Rat's Maze, you can see it's like a, a flow chart. But it's not like a flow chart. It's, like, fucked. Um, but more importantly, <laughs> that was how abilities would resolve. They, there was a pri- there was seniority of certain types of abilities would go first. And so, in Magic, there were instants, which were, you know, you could play an instant when the stack was clear and you had priority. No, sorry. When you had priority, you could play an instant. Yeah. However, if there was an interrupt on the stack, you could only play interrupts. And then on top of that, you could play mana sources, even if there was an interrupt on the stack. So Dark Ritual, you could play at hyper instant speed. Don't, just don't think about it too hard. It's don't worry it's about it, past. buddy. You it know, it can't you hurt you. Born. The layers can't, or the, the batches can't hurt you now. It was it was long before you were born. Yeah. Yeah. And if you and if so, if anyone complains about the layers now, yeah, I was you don't even I know was what you've been saved from. I was from. Say, like, people complain about Dresdown not stopping mouse, and that's like. Yeah. Uh... Yes. <laughs> Dresdown doesn't stop Magus or Dry to the Leasing Grove. Let me tell you, you don't even know how much headache you've been saved. So uh, I think I think that has got to be it. Yeah. Um, and as with last time we had uh, Mordekaiser on, I had the wonderful pleasure of having Mordekaiser on with just me and him. We have talked for an unbelievable amount of time. Sorry, guys. One more time, I want to... No, no, no. We wouldn't do it if we didn't love it. We wouldn't invite you if we didn't love you. And because we love you so much, I just want to give one more plug to Mord who is now able to stream more frequently, is fantastic, um, doesn't always have positive energy, just like me. We're not perfect, but let me tell you something. This guy has the most incredible in-depth play knowledge, deconstruction knowledge on the archetypes that he uh, deals with, and he's always willing to talk about this, that, or the other. He's funny, he's entertaining, and he streams at Mord to Light. You can also find him on at Mordekaiser on Twitter. But more important to his success at the moment is finding him at Mord to Light on Twitch. So it's twitch.com slash Mord to Light. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's been great. Uh, catch you all next time. Same thing. And uh, make sure that you have all your tools in your toolbox. Thanks for listening to episode 25 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg, email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com, or join us on Discord from the link from the episode description of your podcast player, or at serumvisions.podbean.com.
don't forget that Robertson's screwdriver because it's just better than a Phillips.